when reality TV is more honest than the church you go to, <laughs> yeah, somebody's quitting that church. You said something about Jesus and strippers. Yes. I'm after people in the gutter, fam. I can talk with theologians and I can talk with some hood Anybody that has been ruffled by that or feels like, man, I don't like that Tim talks like this or says these words this way. I'm like, there's been three or four clips, you know, since we started this whole podcasting thing that she's like, take that down. So how do you draw the line between that and, you know, false teachers? Paul makes it very clear. Peter makes it very clear. Jude makes it very clear. Here, He had a Bible study at his house. He's like, you know, I know one of you in here's marriage is, you know, on the rocks and might not make it. I stood up and I was like, this is what I'm dealing with. This is how long it's been going on. Yep. This is... What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Way podcast. Today, I've got somebody who, man, I would say is probably, if not the biggest Christian podcast going right now, definitely the one with the most momentum and and growth and uh, super excited to have this guy. You know, this is not the basement. This is, we'll call this the penthouse. We're, we're, bringing, <laughs> we're bringing the basement to the penthouse. Yes, sir. Let's we, go up. We got Tim Ross with us. What's up, man? I'm chilling, bro. I'm so grateful to be here with you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you flying out. And, yes, sir. You know, in and out. Yeah, I do it. This is what we do, man. This is my life now. Yeah. I could just commute to Vegas for a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, dude, I mean, you were in ministry for 27 years? 27, like? 27 and a half. 27 and a half years. Yes, sir. Then you just shut it all down to go start a podcast. Not quite. Okay. Right? So, How so, did the story go? Yeah. So what happened was September of 2021, um, you know, it's our sixth anniversary of the church. Have a dear friend that comes to speak. Her name is Charlotte Gamble. Ended a message. She calls me and my wife, Juliet, up to the front, and she gives us this word. She's like, I feel like God's telling me to tell you that your season's changing, your batteries are changing. There's some new stuff that's about to happen in your life. Well, we're like, you're absolutely right, because we're, we're looking for a building right now. Our <laughs> staff is, in, is increasing. Yeah. You know, we need to find a new venue to worship. So- Heck yeah, you're <laughs> you're on the money. You know what I mean. Be praying for us. Yeah. Four days later, I'm in a hotel room in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at 5 a.m. Mm. And I feel like the Holy Spirit says, "Hey, go run run that run that word back." Mm. So I pull it up on YouTube, run it back. And Ryan, the only thing I can say, man, it felt like it was overdubbed. Like I'm like, she didn't say this four days ago. I heard it completely differently. Mm. And all I heard four days later was, "Your season as a lead pastor is coming to an end." Mm. I couldn't hear it any other way. So I, I immediately burst into tears. Like I thought I got fired like on the cool. Like I, I <laughs> thought like the Lord was like, I'm going to fire you, but I'm going to do it politely. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, did I strike the rock twice? Like, have I done something <laughs> wrong here? You yeah, know, yeah. I was trying to figure out what I did. And no promised land. Yeah. No promised land for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and long story short, uh, over the next 90 days, uh, God made it clear to me, made it clear to Juliet, made it clear to our elders. Like, no, the season's coming to an end. Mm. So um, March of 22, he tells me who my successor is, uh, who was a young man that I had been mentoring for three and a half years. Okay. Whose name is also Tim. Oh. Uh, last you were going to tell me his name was Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been appropriate. Yeah. Um. So uh, we start engaging him and his wife, Janice. Uh, and then in May 
of 22. That's when the Holy Spirit told me to do the podcast. Got it. So it's actually nine months later. Mm. So, um, and we had no idea the podcast was going to be what it is now. No, you never done one. Never, right? And uh, didn't have any influence um, in what I was doing as a preacher that would indicate the type of influence that I would have as a podcaster. Why do you say that? Well, I mean, because you had a successful church. You're, yeah, you it guys was, are it growing, was and yeah, but the so why num- did you think you wouldn't have well influence I'm, that way? I'm I'm a um, my ministry has has uh, been way more discipleship focused than it's ever been evangelistically focused. Got it. So, uh, and that's just giftings, right? He gives some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So I've always had that apostolic bent where I'm like, "You ready to die?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. hey, you ready to pick up your cross? <laughs> ready to eat his flesh and drink his blood? Yeah. And that ain't the type of message that gets 30,000 people to your church right, or right. makes your preaching sermons go viral, you know? Right. So I had no indication uh, from the preaching side that the podcasting side um, would do what it has done. Mm-hmm. What I've come to realize now is me preaching the way that I've preached while that didn't resonate with people by the hundreds of thousands, sitting down talking about it did, which is really weird. I'm right. basically saying the same thing I was saying standing up, except I'm sitting down the same during the conversation. Everybody's like, I need to die. Right? <laughs> yeah. I need to pick up my cross. So it's been it's been a pretty wild ride. You know, I had to take um uh August through December and transition a church. Yeah. Right. So we told the staff in September, told the congregation in October, and then spent 90 days transitioning the church. So my last day officially was December 31st of 2022. Mm. And January 1st, I was a, I was a full-time podcaster. Wow. Yeah. So obviously like ministry is, you know, all you've really known your adult life. Yeah, for sure. My whole adult life. 27 years. Yeah. Um, you know, you're the lead pastor at your church. Uh, you were telling me before, though, that you had a lot of experience behind the scenes in like production and, and other stuff, like helping build up other people. And, yeah. You know, are, are you talking about from the creative side, like with, with what you're doing now in podcasting and your creativity or was it in another way? Yeah, it was it was from an accountability standpoint. OK, so um, where I really thrive is helping uh, people not mess up their life. Right. And not from a theoretical approach. I've made so many mistakes yeah. that when I meet a young guy, I'm like, let me save you some time. <laughs> <laughs> I already know what you're about to do. I already know what you're about to do because I actually did it. Yeah. Or I know somebody that did. Right. Yeah. And it's going to go this way and I can set my watch by it. But if you take, if you just at least let me give you the blueprint, I promise you, you won't fall up on your face. Right. Yeah. And so the guys that have taken that advice, they've succeeded. And the guys that haven't, unfortunately, have failed, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them have done it publicly. Some have done it privately. Um, but, you know, when, you're, when you've been around humans for hundreds of thousands of hours, uh, everything starts to become like, yeah. I already know where this ends, right? Yeah. I've, I've seen that play be ran and it's never gone well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to be the exception. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Pride comes before 
destruction. You, right. you, you know what I mean? Hardiness before, before like, like this is going to happen to you. Yeah. So you're already in on the first part. Yeah. <laughs> you're already in the first part. Yeah. The second part's inevitable. It's inevitable, man. So I'm, 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 uh, uh, that's what I loved doing. Mm-hmm. And because I'm an introvert, um, I loved being behind the scenes and just helping and like not getting any credit. I loved when people like didn't mention that. Mm that idea helped yeah. turn the organization around or yeah we were just talking before this with um one of my guys chris and yeah. you know he's good buddies with a guy that you were behind the scenes on yeah you know yeah well before any of this yeah absolutely um but i i saw recently so now you're kind of doing that with mike todd yeah and you know like what how's that how's that relationship and and what's going on there so i've known mike for 13, 14 years. Yeah. When I met him, he was a youth pastor. Um, he wasn't the Mike Todd we all know. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what I always tell anybody that I wind up discipling or becoming a mentor to is I'm not Simon Cow, right? Yeah. Like I'm not breaking artist in, <laughs> in the kingdom. Like you have an anointing on your life. There, <laughs> there's a gift on you. I think we yeah. can take you far and you can do big things America's for God. America's next great pastor. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the worst show ever. <laughs> um, the ratings would probably be good, but it'd be disastrous for the, for the winners. Um, right. I, I, I just like to help younger people like miss some, some stuff. Right. And, and um, so it just started, that relationship started thir- 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. And we have a bond now that's just inseparable. So it doesn't matter how much influence guy gives or uh, how high the, the profile has been elevated. Um, our families love each other. Like yeah. I love Natalie. I love Bella. I love Gia. I love Ava. I love uh, MJ, his, his son. Um, we just do life together. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about this. I mean, like for me, I, I put out a lot of content out there. And so with content comes criticism for <laughs> sure, you know? And so, especially too, when you're a Christian talking about money. Yes. Oh, and yes. so for me, you know, if I, I start talking about something and I, I show a Rolex yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, like a lot of people in the church, they take it the wrong way. Uh-huh. And so one thing I always see is like, you know, when you get a guy like Mike Todd, who's very well known yeah. or a guy like Stephen Furtick or yeah. these other guys, um, they face an unreal amount of criticism. For sure. So like, how do you handle that? Because you're, you're facing your own criticism now that you're known. Absolutely. Yeah. It's much different. Um, uh, this last six months has taught me a lot about what the landscape is when you wind up on uh, people's radar in a different way. Yeah. And uh, I realize these are people that are really passionate about Jesus. Like, so let's, before we label them Pharisees, <laughs> critical, judgmental, whatever, they're really passionate about Jesus. Um, but it's hard to have context from a distance. Right. To pretty much anything. it's just hard to have context from from a distance and so um what's what i've been curious about and curiosity will help you from becoming offended because you can't actually be curious and offended at the same time Mm, um so so i just remain curious about criticism 
Where is that coming from? Yeah. First do, of do all, do they have a point? Do they do they even have a point? What if they're right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Let me check my heart before I dismiss it and say that they're wrong. Yeah. And so where is the criticism coming from? Do I even have context to this person? Do they have context to me? And then ultimately, where will I draw the right response from criticism? Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be somebody that has my phone. It has to be somebody that can call me. Right. Um, it has to be somebody that knows my intentions in my heart and has empirical data and thousands of hours of doing life with me. So a 60 second reel isn't, isn't enough. That's never going to be it. Right. <laughs> and what I've realized, what I've realized about the landscape, especially on the social media side, Ryan, is that the real is now reality. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. The clip is now the whole commentary. <laughs> yeah. It used to be that the clip was an invitation to go watch the two hours. To go watch the two hours or go right. watch the three hours or go watch the 90 minutes. No longer. Yeah. The clip is now everything. Yeah. And for that type of person that consumes content like that, digests content like that, and makes decisions on that, there's nothing. Those are lost causes. Yeah. I can't even. You'll, you'll be playing whack-a-mole, <laughs> right? In the yeah, comment you don't even section. Worry about it. You can't even worry about it. Um. Uh, but then you also don't want to become callous to the fact that somebody might have a valid point. There's fair criticism. That going there on. there is yeah. fair criticism. So I have some people that I trust who care more about me as a person than they care about my personality. Right. Some people care only about your personality. So mm. they won't tell you the truth. Right? You need somebody that cares about you as a person, not your personality. That person will tell you the truth. Yeah. They always say like you know, a good friend to somebody who's willing to, you know, talk smack to your face. That's exactly right. <laughs> right? Like yeah. Somebody who's a bad friend is going to talk behind your back and... That's right. You know? That's right. So Juliet, um, <laughs> that's my wife. I sleep in the bed with this woman. Right? You know <laughs> what I mean? There's been three or four clips, you know, since we started this whole podcasting thing that she's like, take that down. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, take it down. And so... um, uh, I've had some other friends call me and say, hey, that clip concerns me. Yeah. Where where was your heart when you made that statement? Were you talking about somebody we both know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they didn't even cross my mind. And then they're like, are you lying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, I wasn't even thinking about them. But I can see based on watching the clip as opposed to just being in the moment talking where you could have drawn that conclusion. How do you feel about it? Should I keep it up? Yeah. So that's dope. But uh, I, I don't, uh, I advise anybody that's a content creator, don't swim around in your own comment section. Yeah, It's no. not good for your mental health. No. You know what I mean? So I have a social media manager. I have to actually pray for her. <laughs> She's got to deal with it. She's got to deal with it. And, you know, some of the stuff that some people say, it's just downright mean. Yeah. Like, even if you're going to correct somebody. Do it in a loving way. Especially a stranger. Yeah. If you're going to correct a stranger, you know, there's a way to tell a stranger they have a booger in their nose. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it wouldn't be the way I roll up on my wife or my kids if they have it. If if they have a booger in their nose, I might just Whack wipe it. it myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but if it's a stranger, you want to be a little more discreet or, you know, try to give a signal. Yeah. So um, what I'll say for myself and how I've helped other people navigate through it is. My, my skin is tougher, but my heart is softer. Mm. You know, one thing I've seen in like content and the Christian space too is like, 
you know, I remember seeing a picture of Francis Chan and mm-hmm. he was next to, I forget who it was. Um, some guy that yeah. people didn't like. Yep. Right. <laughs> and they were like, you know, two vastly ends of the, the Christian universe. Yep. We'll yep. just say that. Yep. And you know, like, dude, Francis has changed. He's doing mm. this. And then he's like, dude, like who else is going to talk with this guy? Like, you know, who, if all these people are coming to his event and, you know, I get the chance to speak to them too. Like who knows? Right. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, like one thing I've realized over the years now is like, so I grew up in the church and, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, very conservative. And I used to think, you know, all these Pentecostal charismatic guys were crazy. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know what these people are doing, like <laughs> jumping around, yeah, yeah, talking yeah, yeah. back, yeah. you know, speaking in tongues, like yeah. all this stuff. And I'm like, these guys are crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, I had a realization a year ago, like where it just, it felt like the veil was, was opened again. Wow. And, you know, I felt like the Holy Spirit was calling me. He's like, bro, like check yourself. Wow. Like these people are, you know, they're, they're doing great things for the kingdom. Yeah. You know, and I found myself being very critical mm. of, you know, these guys. Yeah. And I don't know anything about them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? right. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You see a clip. You have no context. Yeah. So yeah. like I found myself doing that and, you know, long story short, um, you know, the Holy Spirit took me on my own journey after 33 years of, uh, you know, thinking a certain way and thinking like, dude, I've read the Bible so many times. Yeah. I've spent thousands and thousands of hours in church and Bible studies yeah. and this. And then like, it was like this whole new thing. Wow. And I was like, wow. Like, what don't I know? Right, right. <laughs> like, exactly. I've been around a long time. Yeah, like yeah. how much else don't I know? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it really made me more open to just basically like, man, dude, I mean, we're all part of the body and everybody's doing a different part for the body. And it's like, man, Facts. you know, there's going to be guys like, Tim Ross yeah. and Mike Todd who are going to reach a certain people. And then there's going to be guys, you know, like Joel Osteen or whoever, like I used to be a big Joel Osteen hater. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Whatever. I don't know his heart. Yeah. I don't know the guy. Yeah. Like I'm going to let him do his thing. Yeah. I, I do know that regardless of what you think of what he says theologically, like right. people have been saved That's exa- from his sermons. Absolutely correct. So yeah. I don't know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, you got guys like John MacArthur, yeah. who I l- really looked up to. And then I'm yeah. like, man, this guy's pretty like critical of like certain aspects. Like, yeah. He's very hardcore. Yeah. And then I'm like, but you know, he's also helped a lot of people. That's exactly like, right. Yeah. So I'm like now at this point, like, yeah. yo, if you're helping the kingdom, you know, I'm with it. So there's a... um. <laughs> There's a scripture. Oh, I got to get it. This was, I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, oh, you brought the word. There yeah, go. I brought my baby with me. <laughs> and, oh, where is this? I know it's on the right side of my Bible. Um, oh, I don't think it's even in John. I'll have to pull it up. Um, but... This verse is one of my favorites because it's about John the Beloved. And, uh, you know, John the Beloved is like, out of all the disciples, it's like, this dude was the most chill. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? He's not Peter. Yeah. He's not Thomas. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, he's not Judas. But 
um, he says something. He says something that is just uh, no, not against us. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the address is gonna. They're like, dude, uh, Jesus. They go to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, these guys are preaching your name, but they're That's not right. one of us. That's exactly right. And yeah. Jesus is like, it's all good. Yeah, like he's like, bro, <laughs> this is so. This is Mark nine. Yep. And um, oh, is it Mark nine? Yeah. Mark nine forty. Anyone who is not against us is for us. So, uh, oh, that's ten. That's why Tim get back to nine. <laughs> so, teacher, we saw someone using your name, yeah, to cast out demons. <laughs> this is so hilarious. But we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's hilarious to me. Okay. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. Yeah. But that's what we do, right? We we tell people that are not in our group, stop yeah. doing that. Yeah. What's funny to me, I'm a literalist and I see everything in pictures. So when I, anytime I read that narrative, I'm like, okay, did did y'all hear yourself when you were telling on this guy? Yeah. They his his casting out of demons was successful. Yeah, that couldn't happen unless in Jesus' name, <laughs> not like some random thing. This is not Simon the Sorcerer trying yeah. to buy the Holy Spirit, yeah, to go do some magical stuff, right? Yeah. So, so I feel like the way that I've always broke it down is that um, denominations to me and, and, and certain theological persuasions are accents, mm. right? I'm from Cali, born and raised. I can readily pick up on a New York accent. Yeah. I can readily pick up on a down south uh, on a southern act, accent. I can pick up on an accent from Fargo, North Dakota. I played baseball there too. You play baseball there, right? Yep. There's a little pop in the way they talk in Dakota. Yeah. Right. Yep. And it's like, okay, it's just an accent. They're still in America. Yeah. But we're all still part of America. We're all still part of America, so we're all a part of the body of Christ. But there is a distinct Baptist accent, and there's a distinct. Bap, you know, Pentecostal accent, yep. and there's a Reformed accent, and there is a Word of Faith accent, and there is a Osteen accent, right? And yeah. the disciples he's made, and there's a MacArthur accent, and the yeah. disciples he's made. And so, um, at the end of the day, to your point, like people are getting their, they're giving their life to Jesus. Yeah. And whether they got their burgie, their burger from Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's, or Jack in the Box, they got a burger. Yeah. They're all kind of made different ways, but it's still a burger. <laughs> so how do you draw the line between that and, you know, false teachers? Oh, yes. Well, um, Paul makes it very clear. Peter makes it very clear. Jude makes it very clear. Here are the attributes of false teachers, mm -hmm. right? And the list that they run is such, it's, it's so eerie that, Every time I read it, I'm like, was this written 2,000 years ago or yeah. two weeks ago? <laughs> because it, yeah. the, the pattern hasn't changed right. for false teachers, right? And, and so I, I'm a big if the shoe fit wears it kind of guy. If right. I read scripture and what I see lines up with that, I take considerable pause, <laughs> right? right. If, if it doesn't line up with that, maybe I just don't get it. And there's a whole lot of stuff I just don't get. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's 
there's certain countries I go to and I don't get why they eat that for breakfast. Yeah. Like, I don't know why we're eating yeah. beans well, for breakfast. I guess I'll say coming from the conservative side mm-hmm. um, and more so in like the, the MacArthur camp, it seems to me like it's, it's kind of that camp that's a lot more critical. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I see that camp a lot saying, you know, the, the Michael Todd's, the Furtick's, yeah. these yeah. guys are all false teachers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Osteen's, they're yeah. all false teachers. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I see on the charismatic Pentecostal side, less of that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, like, well, you just don't get it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, um, one of the things that has really helped me to, um, keep my mouth off of certain people is when I started traveling internationally. Okay. Uh, America seems to be the only country, Christian America, seems to be the only country that has the luxury of whether they want the Holy Spirit or not. Right. The rest of the world is like, if we don't get the Holy Spirit, we are not going to be able to accomplish anything we want to do. Right. Right. So, so I'm, 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 um, there's a, there's a passage in, um, Acts. It's my favorite. Okay. Okay. This is, um, Acts chapter number five. Um, after Peter and John had, uh, seen these people get healed. Uh, 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 healed the the guy at the um the lame man in front of the gate called Beautiful, and he gets roughed up by Ananias and Caiaphas, and uh, uh, here's what it says, starting in verse number, I'll start from thirty three. Uh, when they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. Uh, about Peter and John, uh, but one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was Saul's mentor, Saul's okay. rabbi. Mm. Uh, was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Uh, then he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care of what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow Thutis who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed and all his followers went, th- went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was also killed too. But he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered. So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let mm. them go. If they are planning, if they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. Right. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them you may even find yourselves fighting against God. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that the secret disciple too that said that? Like he, uh, I forget what part that was where it was like, uh, he's basically already a believer and he's with the Pharisees. And yeah, like, Nicodemus. Oh, that was Nicodemus that said that? No, that, 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 that no, Gamaliel says this. Yeah. But Nicodemus is the one that came to Jesus yeah. at night because once again, you can't get context from a distance. Right. So he comes up close to try to figure out, what do you mean? He yeah. never disavows being a Pharisee. Right. But he is the one that shows up for Jesus' body along with Joseph of Arimathea right. Right. after his death. Right? Because yeah. yep. he had context and now he didn't care whatever the Pharisees thought. Right. But this thing with Gamaliel has calibrated me. I don't understand a lot of stuff 
I may even be like, you know what? I, I think you're showing fruit of what the what is listed of false teachers or, yeah. you, you know, or it might just be rubbing me the wrong way. I don't like when people act like that. I got PTSD from a church that I went to and <laughs> I got hurt and you remind me of that person. It ain't got to even do with a scripture. I just don't like that personality. I don't anymore. like you. <laughs> yeah, I don't like you, right? I don't like the way you dress. I don't like your hair, whatever, yeah. right? You look too flashy. You look too flashy. That's not the way I would, yeah, you know, yeah. roll, whatever. We, we can have all these proclivities. If it's not of God, it will come to nothing. It will fail. Like everything else that has ever attempted to be of God. Mm. And it may not happen when you want it to. Right. <laughs> right. Because I think a lot of that is for God to keep us humble so that we won't be walking around yeah. strutting like a peacock. Like, I was right. Right. I told you that they were, you know. Yeah. Um, that's, that's helped me. My travels and that verse has helped me keep my mouth off people. Yeah. One thing I... Uh... I never knew until this was brought up to me um, was that, you know, every, everything we hear in America is that like the church is in decline. Right. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, like there, there's all these different reasons why attendance is down and all this stuff. Yeah. But they're like, but did you know worldwide faith is booming? Absolutely. And people are being saved left and right in Latin America and all these. It's America. Yeah. That. That, that we've got an issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then let's also um, contextualize how the decline is being reported. Okay. It's usually being reported by mainline denominations who actually report baptisms, salvations, uh, all these metrics to these polling agents, Gallup and, and Barna and all of these type of people. And then those reports are the ones that say church is in decline. Okay. Mainline denominations are in decline. Right. Okay. <laughs> Spirit-filled movements that may not, that may be non-denominational. Right. And, uh, uh, or governed. Uh, they're uh, self-governed. Self-governed or, or, or uh, they're not mainline denomination. They do have, you know, kind of like a, a structure in a, in a, in a, um, organizational track but they don't report to you, you know these polling agencies in yeah. the same way baptists and assemblies of god and yeah church of god does right those churches are booming you know right before right, right before we went on air there's a guy that that works with you now that just moved down here like three weeks ago yep he goes to a church in indiana <laughs> i don't even i don't even know the city in indiana this church is in yeah it's called anthem church bro that church is booming mm. you can't stop people from getting baptized there and it's indiana it gets cold in the winter <laughs> no, trust right me. and these people are at church yeah in the snow so god is moving yeah god is moving he's never stopped moving so you think in america it's actually growing as well or yeah. what, what do you, you think okay yeah. I, I, i'll tell you what's dying okay what's dying is the church that has not met the needs of the generation that they're called to serve. Okay. That church is dying. Okay. Right? So um, uh, I, was, I was talking on the way here about the fact that when reality TV is more honest than the church you go to, <laughs> yeah, somebody's quitting that church. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? They're chunking deuces to that church. Like, <laughs> like the church where the pastor is like presenting himself as perfect. Right. Has no 
authenticity, has no transparency. Um, uh, preaches, I, I talk about the three ways to preach a sermon, right? You can preach with the Bible behind you, you can preach with the Bible in front of you, or you can preach with the Bible on the side of you. Okay. The people that preach with the Bible behind them, Ryan, those are the people that are heavy on some stories and they're like, hey, you know, my daughter Amy, she's three. You know, she was eating a bowl of cereal, but she tilted the bowl too far and the milk spilled all over. And she just started crying. But I picked her up and I held her and I just said, Amy, I still love you. You know, as believers, we make a mess sometimes, but God still loves us. Mm. And it says it somewhere in the Bible as well. Hey, <laughs> hey bow your heads. You know, <laughs> right? They preach with the Bible behind them, bro. It's like, right. yeah, yeah. It's like I'm gonna just give you a sappy story, and then there's a Bible verse that goes with that, <laughs> and it's somewhere in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. That God loves you no matter what. You know, um, the people that preach with the Bible in front of them, they're like, do what this says, line by line. line we're just, just we're reading. Just do what it says. Yeah, you heard it. Read it. Do it, right? <laughs> but you're never brought you never talk about what it did to you. Right. What it did in you, right? The most effective preaching is side by side. Right. Here's what the Bible says, and here's what it did to me. Right. Here's what the Bible says. I opened it up, it opened me up. I read it, it read me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I went into it, it came into me. And it has pierced me and cut me in half and cut me up. And yep. as a result, I come to you now and invite you to do the same thing. Yeah. That's the sermon that people want to hear. 100%. Right? 100%. And so because it's like, oh, you too? Yeah. Oh, and you went first. So I can go second. Now we can have an altar call. Yeah. But when it's like, hey, this Bible's right. You guys are wrong. You probably need. I It, 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 it assumes that. I already got this. So, so you're telling me the guys I see at the at the the football games here with the speakers and the, the megaphones, <laughs> that's not the right way. <laughs> that ain't the right way. <laughs> Cause they ain't even on the field. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, just outside, just just yelling. outside yelling, and it's like, you you know, we we have to we have to consider the world we're in. I understand baby boomers and the silent generation and how ministry was back then, but I'm, I'm gen X, mm -hmm. right? Re reality TV dawned on our watch. Yeah. Right. Like reality TV, real world season one, <laughs> right? First Puck one. and Pedro. That was on my watch. Mm. <laughs> I'm too young for that. Yeah. 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 So, so we grew up, we grew, we were the first generation to say, this is just, this is really what it is. Yeah, this is just me. Are. This yeah. is how I am. I got drunk. I did this. I, you know what I mean? I had an abortion. I had da, da, da. and once you once that became the narrative for us, it became very very difficult to listen to a preacher who's been batting a thousand. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, right? You've never struck out like, <laughs> ever. Wow, you hit a hundred percent of the pitches. <laughs> you are Cooperstown. <laughs> like, you know I mean? You're not going. You, you are. are Cooperstown, <laughs> right? So yeah. So so it's a very um, uh, it's it's something. I'm passionate about the local church. I love the local church. Local church yeah. is never going anywhere, right? And it always grows in the midst of persecution, mm. and that's one thing that America the American church desperately wants to avoid being persecuted. Oh yeah. They don't want to be persecuted. Yeah. We don't want to cause drama. Yeah. Or, we call know. inconvenience persecution. 
Mm. Like prayer was taken out of school and we're like, you know, we're like, oh, the world <laughs> is over. And I'm like, you needed a law to pray in your school. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can walk around the whole perimeter of the school and, and pray. pray. And I'm I'm Pentecostal. So I'm like, I'm dropping olive oil and I am praying <laughs> in the spirit. Yeah. And I will go to war against the enemy yeah. and the stronghold that's in the school system. We don't need it in the law books. It's nice. Yeah. But let's not presuppose this is a Christian nation that was being moved by the Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. <laughs> Principles are completely different than devotion to commandments. Mm. Tithing is a principle. Okay. Right? Yeah. Works for anybody. Right. Right? And so you get uh you get somebody don't even have uh a uh a, a faith in Jesus. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has given more money away than all churches combined. Wow. <laughs> They're tithers. In their own way. In their own way. The right. principle works, mm -hmm. even if there's no commitment right. to the God that instituted the principle. So to say that America is founded on Christian principles, I applaud that. I don't deny that. But let's not act like Christian principles mean you are a devoted follower mm. of Yeshua the Messiah. <laughs> right, right. That's not the same thing. No, totally different. So... Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it goes back to the people that, you know, well, if I'm a good person, yeah, I'll be good. Like, yeah, no. That Once again, that goes back to principles. That's right. You exactly know, right. Like, you know, the principles alone are not enough. They're That's just, exactly right. <laughs> they're, they're what you want to do. Right. You know, once you're a believer. That's right. But one thing you mentioned that was super important was, you know, talking about the pastor who does not show vulnerability, mm -hmm. right? And they have this perfect excellence. And yeah. One of the reasons, obviously, your podcast and everything has blown up is because of your vulnerability. Yep. And you talk about it a lot. You're like, this is my superpower. I'm all about it. Yep. I can't stop talking about it. Yeah. You know, and so I, I remember the first time I heard about your podcast it was from one of our um, people in Wealthy Kingdom. Yeah. And he was like, yo, this guy, Tim Ross, like, dude, he talks about this stuff that nobody talks about. He yeah. talks about sexual abuse and porn and you know, all these different things. Yeah. And like, he doesn't shy away from nothing. And yeah. so like refreshing to yeah. see. Yeah. Like, where does that come from? The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't create it. I did not come up with this, Ryan. <laughs> the Bible, the Bible is the rawest book ever written. Yeah. It's, it's rated M for mature man. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like we have the fall of man in Genesis three. Right. right, and I wish like J.R. Tolkien would have wrote Genesis because maybe we would have had like fifty chapters of like bliss before we had the fall. Right, like for it to go chapter one, chapter two, and we're all dead. Boom. Right, like, <laughs> spiritual death. Right, like that's like man, that's that drop is a little too steep. But we got we have the original uh, fall in chapter three. We have a murder in chapter four, bro. Yeah. Between two brothers that came out of the same room. Everything it's happens down, quick. It's downhill from there. Right. The devolvement is quick and the writers do not shy away. Right. From the humanity and the corruption that sin brings. Right. There is no editing of the story for David. Mm -hmm. They don't leave you with an either or narrative. They leave you with a both and. Yeah. David had Uriah killed 
slept with his wife and got her pregnant. Yep. That same David is a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny is we were talking, so we had Bible study this morning and we were talking about, you know, like all these just heroes of the Bible, yep. like they're all jacked up dudes and, and yeah. women and, you know, they all had their own issues. But the crazy thing is very few of them had a happy ending, at least on earth. Mm. You know, we were talking, making the joke about Moses, you know, he yeah. struck the rock twice and he didn't get to go to the promised land yeah. and God shows him the promised land. Right. And then he dies. Yeah. He's done. <laughs> exactly right. And like, we, we literally went through the verse and it was like, Moses was healthy. He was good. And then he just died. Yeah. And God's like, yo, your time, you did a great job for 120 years, yeah. but you don't get the reward. Yeah, man. And it's tough. You look at the disciples, all of them killed except John. Yeah. You know, you look at Paul dying in a jail. Yeah. You know, you look at Jesus. Yes. You know, yeah. Crucified. John the Baptist. John the Baptist beheaded. beheaded. You know, you look at, <laughs> Solomon, just the wisest person. This guy you would think could avoid everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he falls into the same problems and issues. Jonah. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) There's a trend here. (laughs) These guys are like doing the right thing. Why why does the end always like not look good, at least here on earth? Yeah. And then, you know, you, you read it, it's like, man, all of these people are heroes. That's right. And to your point of like, America trying to avoid persecution. It's like none of these guys avoided persecution. It's just, that's what's inevitably going to happen. It's going to happen, man. And, and the church always grows because when there's persecution and pestilence. Yeah. I mean, I mean the whole Bible is our proof of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we say we want revival. We say we want a move of God, but the very thing that ushers it, ushers it in is what we're against. Right. And so it's like, if you want it, you <laughs> there's you, pain. There's pain. You know, you ain't gonna get a six pack and not do burpees and crunches and have to change your, the way you, you eat. Diet, yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's just there's just no way around it. No. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, it's crazy once you start thinking about it. So for you, you know, one of the things you've been public about is like sexual abuse. And, yeah. And you know, just how that was was for you and i know for men me specifically i had issues with porn a long time yep so what have you like for those who don't know like yeah what happened to you and how's how's that influenced who you are today so uh i was sexually abused for about six months by a teenage boy that lived across the street from me um obviously when when you are um violated in that way at that age there is just confusion that abounds. It's not even gender confusion. You're like, why is this even happening to me? Right. So, um, I became a professional liar that day. Uh, I came home. My mom asked me, how was your day? And I said, fine. Cause at eight years old, I had to make a decision to save my perpetrator's life. Cause if I would have told my dad, he would have killed him. Mm. So I made an adult decision at eight years old. Wow. Cause I didn't want to blow up my family. Right. If I and the only thing I kept thinking was if I tell my daddy what John John has done, he's gonna kill him. My brother's gonna bury the body. My mom's gonna be heartbroken for the rest of her life. So I didn't I didn't I didn't tell nobody. And um obviously, uh as traumatic as that is and sounds, um, it affected my school, 
It affected how I connected with people socially. Uh, at the age of 12, I was exposed to pornography. That became my drug of choice. I just medicated, numbed myself through uh, porn and masturbation. Um, and then when I was 19 years old, my mom actually caught me watching porn on a big screen TV. Mm-hmm. And this is 90, this is 90, 19. So this is 94. Mm-hmm. So um, wildly embarrassing, um, humiliating. Uh, but that night, I know it was the Holy Spirit that gave me the strength to actually walk in my mom's room and tell her. Because I already knew what the root was. Like porn is not the root of any issue. It's the fruit. Yeah. Right. And so whatever doesn't come up and out of our mouth through words will come up and out of our body through actions. Yeah. So whether it's porn and masturbation, you reaching for a cigarette, you playing video games for, you know, hours on end, not paying your bills, not cleaning yourself properly, disregarding your hygiene, uh, harboring anger, can't put your emotions into words. That's going to it's going to it's going to show up in your body some way. Right. So I shared it with my mom. Um, and then we woke up my little brother because like two o'clock in the morning. Um, my younger brother, Miles, 17 months younger than me, he got abused by the same guy. Got it. And did then, you know? I did know. Okay. We, he told me when I was about 14 or 15 okay. and we actually plotted to kill the dude. Mm. Uh, he had went to prison on a on an unrelated charge. Uh, and when he got out, we were going to stab him to death in the middle of the street. Mm. And when we got to the middle of the street, I don't think I've ever shared this. Mm. This is exclusive, Ryan. There we go. Like, <laughs> I almost, I almost caught this. a murder case. Let's clip this. <laughs> clip this one. Anyway. Take um, it out of context. He, he, <laughs> take it out of context, right? <laughs> Tim's a murderer, right? I've now joined Moses and Paul and a whole bunch of other hey, people. Hey, as right? Jesus said, if you've even thought to do it. <laughs> I did it, right? Yep. So so I we meet him in the middle of the street. Again, he had just got out of, out of jail. And he's like, it's so good to see y'all. How are you doing? Like, oh my God, y'all have grown so much. And I'm looking at his eyes. He has no idea what he's done to us. Really? He has no idea the pain we've been in. He's so genuinely happy to see us. And it was so disorienting that I locked eyes with my brother because he was like, bro, if you if you do it, I'll do it. You do it, I do it. And yeah. dude, th- these were kitchen knives. This, You know what I mean? This yeah. was not... Rambo knives, you know what I mean? These are two little teenage boys in pain about to carve up our perpetrator. And I, I gave him the head nod and was like, nah, bro. And when we went back inside, we were like, bro, I don't think he even knows what he did. <laughs> well, what kind of pain must he have been in? Right. We have no idea if this was done to him. So we never, we never discussed it, but we knew about it from our teenage years. Well, we tell our parents that night, come to find out my mom was uh, uh, sexually uh, molested by her babysitters when she was six. Wow. And my dad was um, sexually abused by the comic book store owner in his community when he was five. Wow. So in one night, what should have been like this very embarrassing, like shameful moment, this light shines in and this healing starts to begin. Six months later, I gave my life to Jesus. Wow. It was like it was like a two thousand pound slab of concrete came off my chest, and I could breathe again. And I just remember thinking to myself, Ryan, I am never going to hold a secret again. Mm. Like I ain't doing that no more. It felt like I held my breath for eleven years. Wow! From the time I was eight to the time I was nineteen, and told my mom and, and my dad, 
And so I was like, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> so that was even before salvation. Right. So once I got salvation and then I started reading scripture yeah. and I started figuring out what freedom looks like and what real healing confession. looks like and <laughs> how good confession is, yeah. not only vertically, but horizontally, right? Vertically, 1 John 1, confess your sins to God who's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, right? So cleansing and forgiveness comes from God alone. Yeah. No man can give you that. Sorry, Catholic Church. Right? You, you know what I mean? My bad. Uh, I don't even think they do that anymore, do they? Yeah, they still do. They still do. Okay. <laughs> they still do. Um, but uh, James 5 says that confess your sins, your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you might be healed. Right. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That, that's King James. Um, well, what I realize is cleansing and forgiveness is vertical. Healing is horizontal. Mm. I can't tell you how many years after I gave my life to Jesus that I was still a porn addict. Right. I was confessing to the Lord. He was forgiving me every time. But you weren't going horizontal. There was no healing. Yeah. Because I wasn't looking another person in the face and going, this is still an issue. Right. I need prayer. I need accountability. I need to walk with somebody that's going to love me where I am, but yeah. not let me stay where I am. Yeah. So once I found the power of that, of confession and vulnerability and authenticity in that my, my parents gave me a safe space to be able to share the most devastating scenario of my life. And they weren't like, it was your fault. How could you tell us sooner? They loved us right where we are. Right. And, and so, and they weren't even believers, were they? They were. Oh, absolutely. They were believers. Yeah. I grew up in church. Oh, they were believers. They were believers. Okay. Yeah. 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 They were believers. So, um, they pastored a church for 15 years. Oh, okay. I gave my life to Jesus in their church. Got it. Church never got over a hundred people. They did it bivocationally. Uh, dad worked for the post office. Mom worked for the LAPD. Uh, but they knew how to raise some sheep. Oh my God. They knew how to make disciples. And so I gave my life to Jesus January 14th and 96 in their church. Got it. Okay. And, um, started growing from there. But I've from, from the very beginning. So I'll tell you the Bible did that for me. And then I read a book called Confessions by St. Augustine. Okay. And this book, Confessions, bro, if you haven't read it, I'm telling you right now, it's a very thick book. This is a monk, you know, who lived by himself and had nothing else to do but pontificate all day. <laughs> but write books. Right, write books, right? <laughs> but dude, I felt like I had, when I was done with that book, well, even reading the book, I felt like, this is somebody's private journal and it, it should have never been published. That's how raw and vulnerable it was that I thought, I think I'm violating this. Like, I don't think this should have ever been published. Like who let this out, you know? Um, but I walked away from that. And after I saw how honest the Bible was and how honest St. Augustine was, I was like, this me, I, I want to deal with people as the, uh, the most authentic representation of myself. And because the lie I grew up with was vulnerability is dangerous. Right. I found this out in therapy, right? Vulnerability is dangerous because it hurts the people I love to tell the truth. They'll, they'll be devastated. And after I went through EMDR and therapy, that's how the tagline vulnerability is my superpower came to be mm. was it's no longer danger. It's actually a superpower and I am vulnerable at the risk of other people's comfort. So how long did it take for you to finally beat that addiction? Like, Oh, it took years. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking, I've been saved 27 years um, to 
really like be walking in consistent victory. It was pro- probably the first decade. Yeah. Because it was just an off and on. It wasn't, um, as I became more freer, this wasn't a constant thing. Yeah. But um, when traumatic episodes would, would come back or if I was under a lot of stress, yeah, that was relapsed. my default setting. Yeah. The relapses were real, fam. Yeah. And um, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was very religious. Mm. Like everybody was going to hell, including me. <laughs> including me. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was going to hell, including myself, right? Um, and I just had, I, I had such a hard time accepting God's grace. Right. Um, uh, for the the abuse part of me. Yeah. And I just thought, if this is not over, when I when I'm done with porn, I'll be perfect. Right. No. <laughs> Psych. I'll be as flawed as I was prior. Yeah. Uh I'll just be free from this. And there's uh, then I have there's pride and there's my ego and there's you know, my pettiness and there's all this stuff in there. But porn was this big focus. Juliet used to tell me like you're so focused on porn that you don't even understand you're a jerk. Mm. Like I commend you for going after the addiction, but yeah. sometimes you are selfish. Yeah. And I couldn't see that because I was just going after this target. Cause I thought this is the end all be all beat porn addiction and you'll be perfect. Yeah. I just realized like I'm, I, I was kind of a sucky dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I had to deal with that. I don't, I don't know if I've ever shared this on this show. Um, just about, porn addictions and everything, but you know, I have a lot to talk about. So (laughs) (laughs) one is, you know, obviously lots of guys go through it, whether you're in the church or not. Yeah. And, um, what I've seen is a lot of guys to maybe your wife's point, like give porn all of this power. And they're like, just constantly thinking about how to avoid it. And like, it's just always in like, like you said, this cloud of like, stay away from the cloud. Exactly. Just following me and I got to stay away from it. Right. Right. And you know, it's like, man, that never really works. Um, (laughs) (laughs) not at all. No. So that was something I struggled with. And it was funny because, uh, you know, I got married when I was 24. Mm -hmm. My wife was 21. And I remember like, you know, we were trying to live right. We weren't having sex until we got married. And I was like, okay, you know, once I'm married, you know, this porn thing's going away. Because even though we weren't having sex. Same, same lie, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Still watching porn. Yep. So I was like, all right, this is going to be great. Yep. You know, I'm going to be having sex every night. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I'm not going to need anything. That's exactly right. Right. Yes, sir. And then, you know, if you're married, you know, <laughs> that's not the case. That is not the case. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you, you uh, default and you're like, oh, well, all right. If, the, if she doesn't want to do it or whatever, then I'm going to default to this. Yep. Right. Yep. And, or, you know, I'm stressed out. Yep. Some bad happens. Yep. I'm going to do this. Yep. Right. And so you kind of just go back to this default setting and it's just a constant cycle of like, oh, I'm good for a little bit. Yep. Then I screw up. Yep. I'm good for a little bit. Yep. I screw up. Well, what happened with me was um, the end of 2017, you know, I started doing Bible studies in 2016. Okay. So I got in a men's group and, you know, one of my, um, now investors and friends, his name is John. He had a Bible study at his house and, you know, start going to it in 2016 and I'm trying to build my business and figure things out. And, um, you know, it's going good. Well, one day, you know, after being in there for a year, you know, we're, we're supposed to read this certain passage cause we're just going through 
um, a chapter of the mm-hmm. Bible. And he's like, you know what? We're scratching that. I feel like God's calling me to talk about a bigger issue that, you know, I think many of you are dealing with. And he's mm-hmm. like, we're going to talk about porn. And, you know, we had like 20 people in the room. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I know one of you in here's marriage is, you know, on the rocks and <laughs> might not make it wow. because of your addiction. And, you know, I'm sure like, uh, you know, he's like, uh, and I'm going to let him speak when he's ready. Wow. But I, I also, for his benefit, you know, I want whoever else here is dealing with it to, you know, confess. Yes, yes absolutely. And just let it be known. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, I kid you not. I mean, there's 20 people in the room, almost everybody. Wow. You know, one by one too, not like just yeah, stand up. Yeah, 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 exactly. Raise your hand. <laughs> no, like, hey, you stand duck, up. Duck, goose. Yeah, by yourself. <laughs> That's right. And tell yes. what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Intimately. So, yes. That's what I did. You know, I stood up and I was like, this is what I'm dealing with. This is how long it's been going on. Yep. This is the struggle, yeah. et cetera. Right. And it was like the first time to your point that I had like truly confessed it yes. like in shame. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because, you know, I had told my wife before. Yep. And I was like, I struggle with it. Yep. It's hard. Yeah. But she was the only one. Yep. But like, to like truly like get it out in the open. And like at the time too, I'm this good Christian. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, dude, it's hard. Yeah. Every time I try, I do good for a little bit. Yeah. And I always revert back. Yeah, absolutely. And dude, like for what, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit was working, but I did it that day, confessed. Others did too. Yep. And it was like you said, this big burden just released. It's the greatest feeling. Yeah. It's the greatest feeling. And I mean, I can say, you know, truthfully today, I haven't watched since. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, yeah. You know, it's been five, six years. Yep. You know, it's, and and to me, it's no coincidence. My life, the last five to six years (laughs) has been on a skyrocket. Yes, absolutely. Because I'm not walking around in shame. That's exactly right. I'm not walking around in guilt. Absolutely. I'm able to see clearly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and not feel like, oh, well, is God speaking? It's hard for you to hear God when you're always Oh, for sure. Oh, bruh. (laughs) Bruh. (laughs) That's facts. Yeah. Yeah, that's facts. And now it's like, man, yeah, dude, like I get visions, I get these, yeah. these things and then like they happen and yeah. it's like, I, that didn't happen before. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. You, you're absolutely right. My, my, um, one of my favorite movies is, um, A Beautiful Mind mm-hmm. with Russell Crowe mm-hmm. and spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie, uh, w- one of my favorite scenes in the movie is towards the end. Um, he's schizophrenic. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the movie. And so there's these three people he interacts with. And, you know, I think you're like halfway through the movie before you realize these are figments of his imagination. They're not even real people. Right. Right. So towards the end of the movie, uh, he has found a way to cope with his schizophrenia and still be the brilliant person that he is. So he's sitting down uh, in this restaurant, might have been a cafeteria. And somebody asked him, like, you know, how did you beat it? Like, do you see those people anymore? He's like, I see him every day. (laughs) He's like, I just don't talk to him anymore. I ignore them. Mm. And the camera pans and the three of them are in the corner. 
Got it. They didn't leave. Right. He just no longer interacts with them. Right. And 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 the misconception I had based on the way church had raised me was you're not free until you're not thinking about it anymore. Right. <laughs> I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. If if I'm not even supposed to think about it again. Yeah. I'm toast. Yeah. Um, and I did not understand that freedom looks different for people based on what they've been through. Right. And so freedom for one person might be like, I never touch it again. I never, the taste left my mouth. I haven't had a drop of alcohol since. And somebody else might be like, I can't, I got to take the long way home because I can't pass the bar. Right. It, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And it I've heard both. Me. Yeah. Right. I've, I've heard both, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that was such a struggle for me was I could, I, you know, I'd be preaching my testimony while I was still going to therapy for my trauma and what my trauma produced in terms of uh, porn addiction and all that kind of stuff. And I, I could, I, you know, I preach a sermon and like at a youth convention or something and like, I'd have all these teenagers come up, boys come up to me and be like, I stopped watching porn. Like I got free during the altar call. I've never going back to it and yeah and i'm sitting there like what did i preach today like <laughs> i don't even know can you tell me <laughs> let's redo it let's run it back did y'all tape that <laughs> can i watch it because <laughs> what was instant for you is work for me yeah and um i don't think the church has done a real good job when sanctification is a process yeah uh we we tend to love the cardboard testimonies of just like crack addict housewife <laughs> yeah, yeah homeless gainfully employed yeah, right yeah and we want to see a drastic switch yeah we want to see externally the, yeah externally and we want to see it now right yeah, yeah. and i i just think you know there's a reason why the biggest loser was compelling and then they stopped because america didn't want to see fat people become lesser versions of themselves for 10 seasons right it, it, it was a hot little deal but we just love before and after pictures. Yeah. We don't want to see you sweating on the treadmill and eating a thousand yeah. calories a day. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Crying because you have cravings. Yeah. That's why the show didn't do 10 seasons. Right. Like we don't want to watch people in that much pain for that long. Right. Um, uh, and, and so if we can normalize the process of sanctification and freedom, right. You, you can't become more righteous, but you can become more free. Mm-hmm. And um, it's all throughout the Bible, but we don't tend to give people the same space that the Bible gives people, mm-hmm. right? Like um, Abram uh, steps out in faith based on a promise from God when he's 75, right? but he does not uh, reciprocate the covenant until he's 99. Mm. Like he doesn't circumcise himself for, 24 years <laughs> yeah it's a long time it's a long time for this is a one-sided covenant yeah uh, i'm obeying you i'm going wherever you're telling me to go but he didn't he didn't cut himself for 24 years why do you think why do you think he did that well god didn't even bring that up until later yeah right there's, a, there's 25 years in between uh genesis 12 and genesis 17 yeah and i i just don't think we have the we don't have that scope. When we read it, we read, oh, that's yeah. five chapters. And so must have happened like that. And it's like, Abram yeah. was, 
it's funny you bring that up because so you know i so maddie montgomery he's been on this show he's um you know kind of our head pastor over at uh wealthy kingdom yep and every wednesday morning before bible study i actually call him for about 45 minutes to an hour so he mentors me and you know helps me get ready and you know, our first um, study that we're going through in Wealthy Kingdom is on the life of Moses. Mm. And, you know, Maddie asked me this morning, he was like, so how's God speaking to you right now in your life? What are you hearing from God? And I started to think about it. And I was like, nothing. Like, <laughs> like I'm not, I, I don't, I don't hear any kind of like new revelation yeah. or like anything, but I'm like working currently on so many things yep. like that. He's already commissioned me to do right. You know, like this wealthy kingdom thing. We just launched it in May Yep. and you know, May, May went great. Now we're going to go launch Bible studies nationwide. Yep. And it's like, that's a lot of work and yep. that's going to take years of, yeah. you know, stuff. And yeah. so, you know, long story short, uh, I was kind of telling him, I was like, you know, we just finished this, this, this life of Moses study. And, you know, when you look at the life of Moses, okay, you know, he's obviously, he's born in Egypt. He's got this unique upbringing being an Israelite, but also an Egyptian. Yep. And, you know, he runs away. Yep. You know, he kills somebody, <laughs> uh -huh. runs away. Yep. And you don't hear about him. Like, the years pass, yes, right? Sir. He's 40 years old, you know, and, or no, he was 40 when he ran. I That's think, right. Right? Yeah. Spends 40 years. Like who knows That's doing right. what we That's don't hear about exactly it. Exactly right. Yep. And then God calls him at 80. Yep. And he's like, Hey, you're going to go back to Egypt Yep. because you're equipped to do. And Moses was like, nah, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy. Yeah. I'm 80. Yeah. I can't speak. Yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. God's like, no, you are the guy. You are the guy. You, you have the experience. Right. You have the upbringing. You have, right. Like, we don't know what he went through. Right. Those 40 years, but Correct. God said, you're the guy. Yep. And you know, he goes back, he rescues them. The Israelites are complaining nonstop. Yeah. They're like, dude, we would have rather been slaves. Like, right. why do you keep... Right. This, this is worse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, then they go into the wilderness for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And you hear bits and pieces, but, like, you don't get the whole 40-year synopsis That's of correct. all the stuff. Right. And, like, basically, you get Moses' whole life, 120 years worth, in, like, a few chapters. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. And I'm like, Wow. You know, God gave him some directives, but there wasn't that many. Right. You know, there's a That's few exactly directives right. in 120 years. Yes. And the rest of that time yeah. was just doing it. Walking it out. <laughs> just do it. Absolutely correct. Dude, so so I'm glad. I'm so grateful you said this because um, I gave my life to Jesus January 14th of 1996. And people always ask me where did it, where's the pivot for you? Was it when you became a lead pastor? Was it when you did this, when you did that? I'm like, it's when I moved to Dallas. He gave me a word in, 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 in uh, June of 1997. And he said, buy a one-way ticket to Dallas. Mm. All of my blessings that I've ran into and walked into in the last 20 Six years of my life yeah. was based off that one word. Mm. My, I met my wife in 98. We got married in 99. Um, God opened doors for me to do ministry at a really high level. Yep. I grew in ministry. Every blessing 
that God had for me was contingent upon me getting to Dallas. Mm -hmm. So when people ask, like, was it this? Was it this? Was it this? No, that's all subsequent to my obedience to move to Texas. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, exactly. With the same thing with Abraham. Abraham, hey, step out on faith to a place that I will show you. Yeah. For 24 years, he's just wandering around. Yeah. And then he's like, I promise you a kid, you're going to have one next year. Yep. Okay. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. If yeah. you say so, I didn't believe you. We got Ishmael. Yeah, I'm fine with him. I, I decided I wanted to go do it on my own. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, but if yeah. you're saying you're still going to do it, and then he does it. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. There's only three or four major things. Yeah. In everybody's life, you know, uh, again, big I, moments. I, I come from the uh, the the side of the 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 Christian uh, accent that you know. You get words of knowledge and words of prophecy and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And I'm leery of the people that have a word all the time. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, because I'm like, yeah. And 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 Maddie wasn't asking me from that perspective. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he was just like, is he is he speaking? Yeah. To you? What is like, he telling you? What's he telling you? Yeah, yeah, Anything yeah. you know that you want to share? And I was like, I think he's just telling me to just be obedient just keep doing the thing that's exactly you know like right. that's exactly there, right there's nothing else to it just keep yeah. doing it yeah absolutely um and like you know the guys in our bible study they'll a lot of times be like dude i just feel like god's not speaking to me and like i i don't know what i should be doing and like i'm always in my mind thinking of it two ways i'm like one is Okay, well, if you're if you're wrapped up in sin, right, 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 right. That's one. It's kind of hard to hear him. Okay, <laughs> that that could be one thing. Yep. The other thing could be, well, has he already told you what to do? That's right. Like even if it was years ago. Yep. And like yeah. he's just just keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely keep doing correct. the thing. Absolutely correct. Uh, so I have a friend of mine who is a Messianic Jewish rabbi. And I think every Gentile should have a friend that's a Messianic Jewish <laughs> okay. rabbi. Okay. Because I don't think you can understand this Bible unless you are probably homies with somebody that it was actually written to, right? <laughs> we got engrafted in, yeah. right? They are, those Jewish people are, are uh, there's a covenant that still exists yeah. that God is not coming back on, right? So it's a very sweet thing. So he tells me, he goes, let me tell you one thing that um, has been a pet peeve of mine for a long time. What you call the intertestamental period between Malachi in your Bible because uh, in the Hebrew Bible, the, the last uh, book is not Malachi. Uh, uh, but between Malachi and Matthew, you call that the silent years, that there was 400 years of silence. Right. And then God started speaking again when John came. And right. he's like, that couldn't be further from the truth. He said, those 400 years, we still went to synagogue and we still read the Torah mm. and we still read the promises. God was speaking. The whole time. Yeah. What was he saying? The same thing he had already <laughs> told us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And one word from God could last you 35 years. Yes. Yes. It could take 35 years to walk out one word yep. from God. 100%. So when I hear these guys that are already like, I got a word on this and I got a word on that and I'm going to word on that. I'm like, you, you must, maybe you're going to be around for 500 years because <laughs> I don't know when you're going to walk all this out. How are you going to accomplish How this? How are you going to accomplish this? He's probably talking about your great, great, great grandchild. <laughs> he gave the word to you. You heard it, but your fourth seed is going to get that out. That's not going to uh, be on your watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've walked out. I am walking out the promises of God 
But it all came from one act of obedience, and that was to get to Texas. Yeah. I'll share with you a story. Uh, a lot of people on the podcast have heard it, but I was telling our Bible study, I'm like, dude, I can literally only think of like a couple times in my life where God spoke to me so clearly yep. that it was like, do this and just trust me. Yes, sir. And one of the big ones, which is obvious to everyone now, was, you know, I'm on my one year anniversary with my wife, and I'll tell you kind of where my head was at. You know, I, you, you go through your first year of marriage. You yep. obviously learn a lot. <laughs> you surely do. You and, get baptized by fire. Yeah. And, you know, I talked about the whole porn thing earlier of like, I thought I'd be good. Right, right, right. Realize, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't it. This is this marriage thing. I mean, it, it's not all it's cracked up to be. That's exactly right. There's a lot that goes into it. Yep. Um, but one of the things was like my business career. You yeah. know, at the time, I had been released by the Oakland A's. So I didn't like, I wasn't sure if base, uh, like at that point, I was like, dude, I thought baseball was going to be my path. Yep. It's probably not. Yep. And I was coming to acceptance of that. I'm 25 years old, spent my entire life pursuing a dream. Yep. Along that time, I had also become a realtor when I was 21 and I failed at that. Mm. I hated being a realtor. It was super hard. I hated dealing with clients. The economy back then was terrible. Yep. So I failed at being a realtor. I became a substitute teacher to make pay bills wow. for me and my wife. Hated that, yep. you know, like yep. making 90 bucks a day. It yep. was boring. It's not a career, right? Yep. So um, I end up flipping couches. That was like how I was making money to provide. Wow. So, you know, I start flipping couches and the way that came about was we got married um, a year before and, you know, we're broke. We used all of our wedding money to like furnish our apartment and yeah. all this stuff. And I remember furnishing the apartment for like a thousand bucks on Craigslist and, uh, you know, I'm like looking at the furniture. I'm like, I bet you I could sell this stuff for like profit. Wow. 2000 bucks, 3000 yeah. bucks. Yeah. I was like, what if I just sold one thing a day? Like wonder what that would do. So I bought a couch that I got a good deal on, flipped it for 200 bucks. I was like, dude, if I just buy one of these a day, that's 200 bucks a day. That's $6,000 a month. I'm good. Wow. And so that's exactly what I did. That was my first true business success. Wow. So I get storage units. I start flipping couches and I'm making six, 8,000 bucks a month. So like first time ever really having money. Yeah. So I'm on our one year anniversary and you know, we're in New Orleans and I'm praying to God on the trip and I'm like, God, like I'm super grateful that like I'm now an actual provider yeah. for our family because I wasn't before. Yep. And, you know, I know baseball's probably not the thing. You know, I know I'm not gonna flip couches forever. Like right. this is not a right, 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 right. <laughs> like I know you're not gonna become the couch king. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know like I'm I'm meant to do more. Right. And I was like, and I know it's not gonna be real estate. I already failed at that. And he goes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why do you say that? Like in my mind, like it just was like all playing out. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to do real estate. And like, I had already like stopped practicing being a realtor and I wasn't in it at all. Yeah. And he's like, you just, you're missing a word. You're going to, you're not going to be a realtor and you're not just doing real estate. You're going to do real estate investing. Wow. And I was like, okay. So then literally within the hour I see this TV commercial and it's like, you could start flipping houses today with no money, no credit, none of this stuff. And I'm like, that's a scam. Like immediately. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, that's a scam, whatever. And then like, I just felt the Holy spirit. Like, what did I just tell you? Like, wow. 
look into it. So right. I Google, I'm like, can you flip houses with no money? Yeah. Whatever. And then all this stuff pops up. And then I see these books and I'm like, let me read this real quick. So yeah, I yeah. read this book on our one year anniversary, you know, while she's sleeping or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, I can do this. And so I get super hyped up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to flip houses. This is what I'm going to do. So, you know, we finished the trip, we got on an airplane and, um, we weren't sitting together cause we were too broke to like yep. the thing. <laughs> uh-huh. So I'm <laughs> sitting next great. to this old man and I'm still reading like another book. And he goes, Hey, what you reading, man? I was like, Oh, I'm reading about flipping houses and stuff. And he goes, Oh, that's interesting. And I go, why? He goes, because, you know, I flip hundreds of homes and you know, that's, that's what I've done for my whole life. And you know, all this. And I was like, yeah, dude, like I'm learning about this, this thing and that thing. Like, is it real? Like, does it work? He's like, Oh yeah, dude. Like I've done this stuff so many times. He's like, Hey, I want to tell you something. He's like, I don't usually like talk to people on planes and stuff, but I felt like God was telling me to let you know that you're going to be very successful in this endeavor. Wow. And, you know, just, just have confidence in what you're about to do. And, you know, here's my number. If you need anything, let me know. And I don't tell that story a lot because it's like very long. Yeah. But, you know, I told my wife when we got back, she wouldn't sit next to me. I was like, you'll never believe this, you know? And at the time, you know, I, I didn't lean charismatic. Right. Understood. And I was like, I didn't understand he was giving me, you know, a word. Yes. And I was just like, well, let's do this. Right. So, you know, I ended up, um, maxing out my credit cards. Yep. Took out 50 grand of debt, bought a flip, made 25 grand on the flip. Wow. And then just kept repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. Eventually, you know, flipped hundreds and hundreds of homes. And then, you know, that led to new businesses, yep. it led to coaching programs, yep. it led to all of these things. Wow. And it was from the one act of obedience of like, I had already thought I failed at real estate. Right. And he's like, nah, dude, like, yeah. you just weren't doing right. what I wanted you to do. Right. And it was like, if they're like, what's the smartest thing you did in business? I'm like, back then, just did that one thing. That's right. And now it's like, they're like, oh, so what else? It's like, just keep doing the thing. That's exactly right, man. That's exactly right. I, I referred to, um, we've said this a lot with the success of the basement. Nothing is wasted, right? That season you had at 21 failing yeah. was seed to come back to it. Mm-hmm when it was time. Right. So it, it wasn't even wasted. Yeah. It was a marker for you that when it came back around, it wasn't foreign yeah. to you. Right. Yeah. And I did understand how to evaluate real estate and deal. Right. Like you, I understood you, how it worked yes, because of that. Absolutely correct. And so that's how I felt about uh, what we do now is that there's nothing has been wasted. I did. Um, I was a battle rapper as a teenager. I almost got signed to a record deal when I was 16. I seen you do um, your raps on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're I, good. Yeah, thank you. And and um, I did stand up for two years. Pretty much anything that has to do with uh, communicating on a mic. That's you. That's me. And I realized very early on, I can make money. <laughs> yeah. I can make money. If I open my mouth and talk, I'll make money. <laughs> and so um, I'm in this season now. And even after preaching for 27 years, I think the reason, part of the reason the success has been so um easy coming is because i never counted those years as wasted mm-hmm. 
I did a uh, during the pot during uh, the pandemic. I actually did a show called Upset the News. Okay, where I I think we ran like six episodes, but I did it all on my phone. Like I recorded it on my phone, edited it on my phone, put in the graphics on my phone. Um, had a had a, a friend uh, from Africa give me an opening graphic. So by the time we came back around to do the podcast, I had already been sitting in front of a mic yeah doing these episodes myself i was doing 14 hour days wow to produce these shows that were like so cheesy and corny and i love i want to go watch them oh dude you will love it (laughs) you will love it the production quality is whack and it's so funny yeah and i love doing it but now when this came back around it was like once again nothing has been wasted yeah, nothing that prepared has, you for this. God was preparing me for this. So yeah. even what we feel like are failings, I, f- I, I see as findings yeah. for the thing that God ultimately wants you to do. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, the the real estate was, that was like the first big one as as an adult. For yeah. Like what to do. Yeah. And then the next one was like you, the one you had with content, yep. you know, during the pandemic. I'm like praying again. I'm like, God, you know, I got, 50 flips going on right now what's about to happen right <laughs> you know right like, is everything about to crumble yeah and or, everybody's talking about this is going to cause the biggest recession ever right and i'm like dude well i mean if this does i'm going down right like, right i'm starting <laughs> over <laughs> exactly so yeah. <laughs> something's gonna happen yeah exactly right? something's gotta give and i was like you know and we couldn't go outside we couldn't do anything That's right yeah and i'm like god so what should i do yeah. like i have these houses like yeah there's not, what can I do? Yeah, yeah. If nobody's going to buy them, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And he's like, just once again, like it was, it's fine. Like for the first time it spoke to me in five years, like very clearly again, he's like YouTube. Mm. And I was like, YouTube, like you want me to watch YouTube? Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And you know, I'm like, I don't know. So I just turn on YouTube. And by the way, I'm the, I don't even watch YouTube. Right. Even today, <laughs> I still don't like watch that much content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never did. And it's funny because my wife always watched YouTube throughout our marriage before it was even cool yeah. to like watch YouTube. Yep. And she would watch families and these vlogs and all this stuff. And I'm like, what do you watch on YouTube? Yeah. She's like, I like watching this person and their family. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, people watch YouTube for like entertainment. They don't. Yeah. I just watch YouTube when I need to learn how to do something. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And she's like, no, I watch for entertainment. It's great. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. And so I just turn on YouTube and, um, you know, I, I just, I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even have an account. Like, right, I don't right, even right. know what to do. Yeah. And I go on Instagram because that was the only platform I was active on. I'd like, you know, I was pretty known. I had 10,000 followers. Yeah. That was all I had. Yeah. And I was like, guys, who should I watch on YouTube? Like, yeah. what do I do? And they're yeah. like, watch this guy, that guy, this guy. And so I'm like, okay. So I start researching. I'm like, look up these guys and. I'm like, okay, so these are the best real estate guys on YouTube. Let's yeah. see what they're all about. And, you know, it's these guys, they're making content. And I'm like, man, how many deals are these guys doing? Yeah. All of a sudden I see, I'm like, they're not like doing any deals. They're doing like one deal, two deals. Wow. And I'm like, wait, why is everyone following these guys? There he and, is. And they're like, well, they're the only ones who make content. And I'm like, so you guys listen to these guys who right. do nothing right? because they're the only guys. Yep. 
And, you know, no shade to them. They're all my friends now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like they're what you would call pure content creators. Right. They're not business people or right. entrepreneurs. Absolutely. I came from the business world. Right. And I was like, bro, if you think this is impressive. Right. <laughs> let me go yeah. and show you how to do this. And, yeah. and by the way, you know, I didn't know you could make money on YouTube. Right. Oh, yeah. I just thought they, <laughs> I just thought they made videos to make them. And then they... <laughs> <laughs> what what did it for me is they did a video and they're like, yo, here's how much I made on YouTube last month. And I was like, let me, let's just find out. Like, I'm just, humor me how much that you made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts breaking it down. He's like, yeah, so last month I made 200 grand on YouTube. I was like, what? <laughs> you made yeah. 200 grand? Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't yeah. even flip a house. Yeah, you exactly. don't even have an employee. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. That's right. I'm the out overhead here taking does not all go the up. risk. That's exactly right. And, I was like, and then I thought to myself, like, I started to get mad. And then I was like, you know what? I'm being a hater. Like, right, 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 right. Why am I Join the game. Yeah. Why am I hating on this guy? Like, right, right, right. I just need to go do it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, yeah, dude, I just, I had a, like this epiphany. I'm yeah. like, I get it. I'm making YouTube videos. Yep. And then somebody else told me about this TikTok thing. Yeah. I start watching. I'm like. I don't know. I'm going to make these two. Yeah, for sure. And so that was how it all started. But, you know, it was like I was in prayer again. Yeah. Like not sure what yep. was going to happen. Yep. I'm like, you know, it's like I, I think when God gives you a word and you just you're staying on the path and like you can tell like when there's not really a pivot that's yeah. just like, yo, just keep walking the path. That's exactly right. But, you know, during COVID, there was like a stop and it was like a four way stop. And it was like, yo, which path do you want to go on? There's lots of things you could do right That's now. That's absolutely correct. And I was like, I don't know. It gave people opportunity to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I I um so uh I'm so grateful. Thank you for taking the time to give me that backstory. Cause yeah. I see everything in in pictures. So i I was watching everything you were saying. I think it's so cool. I um these 97s I have on, right? I have so I have a minimalistic wardrobe. Okay. I have four pair of jeans, uh my 15 white shirts, 15 black shirts. I'm going to get you. This is part of my um, new clothing line release. Okay, cool. I'm going to get you some. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah I, I just, yeah, I don't have time to be thinking about what I'm aware. Right. <laughs> so I have four pair of shoes. I've, I, I, I actually switched all my shoes to Air Max 97s. Okay. 97 is when I moved to Texas. Mm, right. Reminder. So it's a reminder. When I moved to, uh, to Texas in 97, as I said, all of my blessings were based on that one decision. Right. Every subsequent decision that's been made, God's spoken to me and nudged me and opened up doors and made it obvious some other stuff I was supposed to be doing. But for last, since moving in 97, it's all been ministry related. Right. So I moved there. Uh, I, I, I'm at Potter's house. I'm there for 13 and a half years. I become a young adult pastor, very successful. I transitioned from there in 2010. I go back on the road preaching. Then I wind up at Gateway in July of 2012. I serve at Gateway for three and a half years. Then I'm sent to plant a church. I'm a lead pastor for seven years. And then he says, now go do a podcast. So this yeah. ain't ministry. This is not ministry as I've known it. You're just staying on the path for 27 years. That's exactly right. Yep. So then he goes, boom, now we're doing this. Well, this is the most significant move I've been asked to do since moving to Texas yep. in 97, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you go from 97 to 2023, well, that's 25 years yeah. 
before he tells me anything to do new. Yep. Or 26 years, actually. Yep. Yep. So it's 26 years before he tells me to do anything new. And it's like, I needed these on my feet to remind me the same God that was faithful to me when I got on the bus with $400 to my name, Mm. three suitcases with a one-way Greyhound bus ticket. Yeah. Is the same God that's going to be faithful to me in this season. Mm. I did not walk away from the church wondering, how are you going to provide for me? How are you going to, you know, I got this house and I got these kids. I'm comfy over here. I'm comfy over here. Yeah. Who's walking away from a thriving church with two teenage boys? Yep. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Because the just shall live by faith and not by sight. So I didn't know the pod was going to blow up. I didn't know I was going to work part-time for Google. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah. know them YouTube checks was going to be like they were. Right. I didn't know what it was going to put me in a position to do. I didn't know that radars I was going to light up on in people's consciousness. But when you hear that word, you have to step out on faith. And if you wait until you have all the empirical data before you do it, it's mm-hmm. not a faith move. Yep. 100%. And so I commend you for taking that step and it and it's just very very encouraging to me because um this is all new territory yeah but what i have on my feet is actually a reminder right that whether it's a greyhound bus or a first class ticket on american yeah it's still the same faith that you're applying what would you say to the people they're like all right cool you know ryan i hear your story you know i hear your story yeah I don't hear like that. Yeah. Why don't I hear like that? <laughs> well, I would tell them that um, hearing is very subjective. Right. I don't think everybody hears the same way. And I don't think we've done a good job of giving all the scenarios of what it means to hear from God. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah heard a boat. Right. Abram heard leave. Gideon had to see fleeces before he would go. Yeah. And so um, make no mistake about it. There's a, there's been a couple of times in 27 years of walking with Jesus that I've had the faith of Abraham all the rest of the time. I've had the fleeces of Gideon. Mm. <laughs> hey God, if this is you <laughs> yeah, or Thomas or Thomas, right? Yeah. I need to put my finger in your wrist. Yeah. I need to put my whole hand in your side. Yeah. And here's the thing that's beautiful. We kind of um, look down upon uh, Gideon and Thomas, right? Like they didn't have faith. Yet God checks all the boxes Gideon needed to yeah. obey him. Right. And Jesus comes back eight days later so that Thomas yeah. can put his fingers in his wrist and his hand in his side. Yeah, I forget what passage it is, but it's like, you know, basically those guys – had weaker faith than the guys who are able to, you know, blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's right. That's absolutely right. And so it's like, we have the chance to have stronger faith than Thomas. That's exactly right. You know, absolutely correct. And if he was with them, he was with them. (laughs) If he, if we don't though, he'll still prove himself. Right. So he's not petty to the point where he's like, man, when your faith grows up, then I can bless you for real, for real. (laughs) He's like, I'll take, a mustard seed. Right. And I'll work with that. Yeah. If you just have that. If you just have that, you qualify. You're good. To see miracles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and until you do, I can work with you. Right. I can work with you. He did that. He had to do that with, with Peter. Peter done that three times. Yeah. He didn't write him off. He cooked breakfast for him. 
you know, it's interesting. It's like, you know, as you study the Bible more, you, and you know, you think about how did God actually speak to all these different people? Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, Jesus was right there. Right. <laughs> you know, that's exactly right. That was like the best. That's right. Emmanuel. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you had others where they got visions, yep. and dreams. Yep. Um, you know, Moses was the only one who saw God face to face. That's right. You know, and it's like people, I guess, sometimes demand to, like, if you show me a sign right. in the way that I want to see it, right. then I will believe. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. like, none of those people, other than maybe Thomas. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, got it in the way that they thought they were going to. That's exactly correct. That's absolutely know? correct. And I, I feel like if you're, if you're open to be surprised by God, he will genuinely surprise you. Yeah. I'm a strategist. Um, I help people with strategy. I help organizations with strategy. Uh, Proverbs 16, nine is like a soothing scripture for me. We make our own plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Yep. Like the, the kindness of the Lord to not um, disavow the way he wired me. I know you're a strategist. I'll let you make your plan as long as you don't mind me tearing it up. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you something about that, but go on. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I, I fully embrace that. And in embracing that, I have been able to like be at such peace going, God, I'm open to your surprises. Yeah. I planned it this way. I've worked it out this way. But if you want to do something else, like I would have never thought podcasting was ever going to be something in my future, let alone my career <laughs> at 48. Like, where does that, where is that happening? Yeah. Who right changes here? careers at 48? Nobody that I know. Moses changes career at 80. That's exactly right. <laughs> you usually don't do it in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You usually like 48, you're like, I'm riding this thing until the yeah. wheels fall off. Yep. Um, but I, you, I put myself in a position to be pleasantly surprised by God and yeah. it's happened. One of the, so this is something I've always struggled with is, you know, talking about the strategist because also in Proverbs, it talks about you know, the rich coming up and scheming their plans and all this stuff. And God's <laughs> yes. like, oh, you're making plans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean anything. That's right. You That's know? right. And I think about that a lot because in business and, you know, because entrepreneurs watch this, you know, we're, we're so obsessed with planning. Yeah. And KPIs. Yes. And, you know, you got to, so like anytime anyone's ever asked me and like we do an extra, like, can you do a five-year plan? I'm like five years. <laughs> I barely know what's about to happen five months from now. Yeah, like five years. <laughs> if I look back five years ago, yeah, dude, this ain't even that. No, right, right, exactly. No yeah, and this is actually way better than I would have ever predicted. Exactly, exactly. Right, and so I'm like, okay, I'll make a year like goal. Yeah, but it's subject to change like next minute. For sure, you know, oh, absolutely correct. And that's something I've always struggled with as a Christian, but also as a you know, how do you be a good, I guess, shepherd or steward, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. like be responsible with planning, yeah. but also leave room for God to move. And, oh, absolutely. And pivot. Yeah. So I remember when we first planted the church, uh, we did a yearly calendar um, of uh, sermon topics. And then we felt we, we kind of, because I'm a storyteller, we took all the themes and the topics we wanted to address and we slotted them in uh, in the months that we were going to actually do these particular topics. And what was always fascinating is we never got through one of those years where at least two of those topics didn't get bumped Yeah, for like a genuine burden that the Lord was putting on my heart to communicate or to talk about. Right. right. 
Um, but once again, it what he honored the plans. Right. He honored what we put up. And we honor him to change it. Right. So it's not a, well, you know, uh, you know, I've been in Pentecostal churches that have three and a half hour services <laughs> because we're not making a program. We just want the Holy Spirit to move. Right. 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 And I've been in the uh, really structured church where yep. it's going to be 65 minutes. We don't care if Jesus came in the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I was about to say that's where I'm at. And then you said the end. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I vibe with. No, no, I don't vibe with that. <laughs> so so I think I think whether you have the 65 minute service or you're saying I want the spirit to be free. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit comes into structure. Right. He's always come to, into structure. In Genesis chapter number one, he was hovering over the face of the deep. Right. Because there was no structure. Right. But the moment there was structure, he comes into it. Mm. Right. Uh, Moses built a tabernacle. The Lord dwelled in it. Right. Solomon built the temple. God dwelled in it. Right. Right. Uh, we became the temple. The Holy Spirit came to dwell on the inside of us. So he loves structure. As long as as long as we start to acknowledge that the ownership of that structure is now his. Right. It means he gets to do what he wants to with it. Right. My encouragement to entrepreneurs would be run your business. And acknowledge that you're no longer the owner of it. Mm, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> running God's business. That's his business. It's not now, your business. Right? Oh, this gets me so hyped. All right. So Luke chapter number five, one of my favorite uh 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 passages for business leaders. Um Peter and his brother have been fishing all night. They've caught nothing. They're cleaning their nets. Jesus comes in the daytime. He's like, hey, can I use your boat? Push off a little bit. I want to preach to the, to the crowd. They preach to the crowd. When they're done, he's like, hey, let's go out and catch some fish. And they're looking like, bro, we fish at night. Yeah. We're fishermen, right? Yeah. And he's like, let's launch out into the deep. And they're like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> There's like, no fish out there. <laughs> we fish in the shallow at night because yeah. they can't see the net. Yeah. And then we get them. If we go out into, like when you go out into the deep, you don't throw a net. You need a line yeah. for deep sea fishing. You don't go net yeah. fishing in yeah. the deep, right? Except if Jesus is on your boat, your business model changes. Yeah. So he's telling you to do something that you would never do. Right. In your career field. Mm -hmm. This is a rabbi telling fishermen what to do. Yeah. And they caught more fish than they ever caught in the history of their father's business. Yeah. You know what their response was? They quit their dad's business. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah. They said, we'd rather have the blesser than the blessing. Right. Mm. Instead of, can you come back? Let's do it again. Yeah. Let's run up the score. <laughs> yeah, let's you run it back. That was, we They're, did this every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, we're going to, we quit our jobs and we want to follow you. Right. And, that's how I look at the entrepreneurial side of what I do. Right. I was in I was in nonprofit all my life. I came into for profit and I've made more money than I've ever made in my life. But it's because he told me, let's drop your nets on the other side mm. in a place that you've never fished before. Right. You've been fishing in nonprofit. You understand nonprofit. You know what it is to start a ministry, govern, all that kind of stuff. Now I'm telling you to do for profit. The limitations are off in certain ways. And I want you to steward that. I, I, I want to trust you with a lot of money. Mm. Let me give it to you. Mm. And I'm like, 
okay if you say so. <laughs> then it starts happening. You're like, yeah, stay with. I'm going to stay with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll do this for as long as you want me to do it. Right. <laughs> so it's it's a uh, it's strategy is important. But in my mind, I'm always going. This is uh, upset the world. LLC is the company that I oversee, mm-hmm. but I know who owns it. Yeah, and it ain't me. Mm, that's yeah. good. Yeah, you know, I've seen um a lot of these pastors become very influential and you know start to make a lot of money, not from their church, but from yeah. their business endeavors. Right. Yeah. You know, I saw Francis Chan do it. You know, a while back, you know, who knows how many books yeah. he sold. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Rick Warren with Purpose Driven Life. I mean, dude, I was like trying to do the math one day. I was like, because on the cover, it's like, yeah, 35 million sold. I'm like, 35 million? I mean, if you just made a dollar per book. You're 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 a 35 millionaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At a minimum. You're At making, a you're, minimum. You're probably making, you know, you, you've probably made nine figures oh, in just oh, one sure. book. Oh, for sure. One. One book. And, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, just like thinking about this and, you know, Rick Warren, somebody had told me a story about how he became a reverse tither. Right. You know, yeah. he gives 90 Kept 20 or whatever. Gave away 80. Yeah. 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 And I was like, wow, that's inspiring. And I know Francis Chan did the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I've always been a faithful tither and, you know, I give, Above and beyond, but I'm definitely not a reverse tither. Yeah, me either. <laughs> you, you know, mm-hmm. I ain't there. <laughs> I ain't there. But like, part of like my mind, I know a lot of business owners go through this too. Is like, you know, if we know how to make money with yeah. money, we're like, oh well, let me use this money to get another investment, yeah. more money, and you know, do this. And so, I guess it's going to be uh, a journey for you now. Yeah. To like have those problems yeah absolutely not, yeah not problems yeah but, no absolutely you know? it's it's another way of thinking yeah I, i've never had to think the way i think now right um you know the holy spirit told me to um uh, executive produce a film mm. i'm like no yeah. <laughs> I, I, I give 25 grand to missions not to films right and he's like no you're going to be the executive producer on this film and then i give the money and then the lord opens up doors that i would have never even imagined right from being the executive producer on this film right so i get to influence more people i never had to think like that before no i never had to you didn't have these options i never had these options right i've, I've never been able to uh like i told you earlier i'm taking my whole staff to australia yeah i could have never done that in the nonprofit sector mm-hmm. it would have never passed a board approval right right like you can't take your <laughs> executive team with you to australia like yeah what are you doing you know what i mean this is this is the Lord's money. Well, it's still the Lord's money over here. Yeah. I just don't have to answer in the same way and I don't have to think in the same way. And so there are investments and then money has to go back into the organization because you have to grow the organization yep, yep. and you got to buy stuff and blah, 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 blah. So it's a, it's a different, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. I got some business mentors that are teaching me some stuff and helping me not be dumb, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a stewardship responsibility. Nonetheless. One thing I thought about, um, so right now, like I, I've mentioned wealthy kingdom a few times for those who don't know what it is, like our missions to help Christian entrepreneurs and business people. And so we're giving all these resources to them, you mm-hmm. know, like weekly calls, these local Bible studies, mission trips and retreats, you know, marriage retreats, men's retreats, all these things that I know are needed to, yep. to build fellowship and community. And it's definitely not a replacement for the local church. Like, in fact, I want to get 
all these people who are not even in church and let this be their first encounter and yeah. get them plugged in. Yep. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, we're going to what you would call in business, the consumer. Yeah. Right. But I've also realized, you know, cause we got a lot of pastors actually in wealthy kingdom. Yep. Um, because a lot of pastors they're not making money. Yep. They're making 30, 40 grand a year. Yeah. And they're trying to do real estate and these other things that I talk about as a side hustle to, you know, create some income. Yeah. And one thing that they mentioned, they're like, bro, you know, the church is so disorganized. They yeah. don't know anything, you know, many of them about structure and org charts and SOPs and yeah. all yeah. this stuff. And I was like, man, maybe we're going to have to start the the B2B side and like, <laughs> you know, have a, a nonprofit over there where we're teaching the churches how to like yeah. think more like an operation and they a business. Need to. They need to. Yeah. The, the, um, uh, most churches are so focused on the organism of the church, which is the people that they forget the organization mm. of the church. Right. Right. Like you, the organism needs structure right now in, in the nonprofit uh, space, especially as it relates to churches, the organism and the organization, there's going to always be a rub. Right. Because it's not, um, it's not natural. Right. The, the, the organism, even though it needs the structure, um, it can't be contained by the structure. Right. Right. So there's going to be always be a rub in what you can and cannot do. Right? right. Benevolence. Right. It's like I can't pay for the fact that you're about to get evicted from their house, but you haven't. But you're nine months in arrears. Right. We're going to have to get you some temporary houses, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? But we also need you to go through Financial Peace University because yeah. we don't want to be here 18 months from now right. and you're about to get, get kicked out of this scenario as well, right? Right. The organism and the organization, the, the, there's always a rub there, but that rub is meant to always have some give one way or the other. Right. There's times that the organization needs to to win out. Yeah. And there's times that the, organiz, the organism needs to, to, to win out. And a lot of churches don't, they either do one well or the other. They're either highly organizational organizational at the expense of the organism. That so, would probably be a mega church. Right. And, or they're highly within the organism at the expense of the organization, right. which can also be mega churches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what's the stat? It's like 80% of churches are under 200 people or something. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mega churches are not the norm. No, it's they just what are people the, think are. They think it's the norm, but that's that's the exception. The yeah. average church is still between 75 and 120 people. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the church not, I gave my they're life not to learning G organization. No. In a small. No, they're yeah. just there for each other. And yeah. the pastor's usually working a gross amount of hours. Right. Marrying everybody, burying everybody, visiting everybody, counseling everybody. Yeah. Um, which is not healthy. They're, even the, the, the church of a hundred needs some organization. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at every, but with growth comes organization as well. We saw it in, in, in the book of Acts by Acts chapter number six, the apostles had to gather everybody together and say, we can't be a part of the food distribution anymore. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I can't hand you green beans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I cannot be out here handing you loaves of bread. We need to pray and teach the word. Yeah. So let's raise up some deacons. <laughs> they'll keep doing it because it's too many people now. Yeah. Right. Peter's first sermon, 3000 people get saved. So when the you go organism to, was having a problem. The organism needed some structure. Yeah. But then the organization couldn't hold the structure. And so 
Persecution is what made it spread out, and yep. that's where the Gentiles come in. Acts chapter number ten. Then we're off to the races in a different way. Right. Right. So, so a lot of people want to try to resolve that tension, and you're never going to resolve it. You just have to, uh, because the Bible is really good with tension. We're not. Yeah, it just is what it is. Yeah, Israel literally means to wrestle with God. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so either be Israel, be Jacob. <laughs> right, right. Either be a trickster, right, <laughs> which we we don't want, or get comfortable with wrestling, right? Because that's that's the church. The church is good at wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Now speaking of that, you know, like churches being smaller, and you know, you, you talk about like these house churches and acts and everything else. It reminded me we were talking about earlier of um, homeschool. Yeah, you know, and you know, obviously the school system's this big organization. That's right. That's. uh Got a lot going on. Yeah, a whole lot. You know, and so you said you made the decision to homeschool. That's right. You know, I'm homeschooling my kids. Yep. Like, what's your rationale? So Juliet and I are disciple makers. We've always been disciple makers. There's never been anybody that we've interacted with that goes on a journey with Jesus that we're like, let us help you understand the Bible, miss out on some big snares, you know, and traps, and... Let's let's just live life together and grow old together and still love Jesus and be in love with our spouses, our family, and our friends, right? So when it came to our kids, we were like, five years is not nearly long enough for us to put our DNA, right. our culture into our children before they're shipped off to have six to eight hours, five days a week right. with people we don't know. And it's not just... The school system is teaching our kids this. No, we don't know what parents are putting in their kids that they're bringing to school and yeah. then manifesting. It's not just the school system. It's not just the school system. The it's Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy is seven years old and their parents don't lock up their guns. Right. Or or Sarah's eight and she's not always watching cartoons. Right. You know what I mean? Because there's no parental... Yeah. Guidance on the social media or on the computers or on the television. And so Sarah's coming back and in an eight year old innocent way is talking about stuff that she can't contextualize. Right. So I don't want my kids to know about sex without us giving con context to that. Right. I don't want them knowing about penis and vaginas without us giving context to that. Right. We had the sex talk with our kids. Yeah. And we want them to know the medical terminology and the biological terminology for their body parts anatomically right we don't want Pornhub teaching my kids that right right so so i'm i'm we just said we are gonna start yeah and once we get they got to the decade mark then we had to make another decision all right are we tired are we gonna see this all the way through <laughs> like, or are we gonna quit and yeah say hey we've done enough and yeah we'll let high school have them and then we were right. like Heck no. <laughs> we are going to finish what we started because we're not quitters. Right. So. Um, How old are you kids now? They are 15 and 13 this year. You know, you're getting close. We're getting close, <laughs> You're man. almost there. Yeah, we're almost there. So Five we're like. more years. Let's finish what we started. And um, it's been a rub for them at times because they're like, man, I want to go to a public school, dad. And I'm like, you can't get up for homeschool on time. <laughs> you realize you're getting expelled. So I, so I did, I did uh stand up for, for two years. And so my brain is wired comedically and humor helped me deal with a lot of my childhood trauma. Right. So I was able to laugh through a lot of that pain and darkness. Uh, but my kid, I didn't know that a kid could ditch homeschool. 
<laughs> I, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know you could have a truant kid in your own house. <laughs> and then I found out, oh, yeah, you can. You can ditch homeschool. Oh, for sure. Because you can say you're doing something that you're not. And then the progress report comes out and you're like, bro, so you were in the corner playing Roblox and you weren't doing Spanish and you weren't doing your social studies. Uh, it's pretty hilarious, but it's it's kids are going to be kids whether they're at home or yeah. you know at school. I'm not. We're not shielding them from the world, right? We want first dibs at contextualizing them to the world. Yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I mean, to your point, um, the biggest way you're impacted is like the first ten years of your life. You know, correct. That's, that's when you're really imprinted on. That's absolutely correct. Everything else, and so it's like. You can do it. Yep. Or somebody else can. That's absolutely correct. You know, and unfortunately, most don't have the choice. That's right. You know, they, if they could, they would, but they got to work. They, they got things would. going on, you know, and I think um, homeschooling is going to keep becoming more prevalent and popular as time goes on. And, I agree. Um, I don't think it's going to be this like weird. It's going to be like, I, I think it's going to be like, yeah, so there's three choices, you know, public, private, or homeschool. Absolutely correct. You know, they're all equal. Yeah. What, they, what, what do you want to do? Yeah, Depending absolutely. Depending on your circumstance. That's right. If you can afford private school, then- Yeah, boom. That was it. Take it. But now it's like, hey, can you not only afford uh, homeschool, but who's going to do it, right? That's right. Do you have the time? Yep. Capacity and- Bandwidth. I think with remote work and all these things, it's going to become way more um, possible. But yeah, I was curious because like, you know, it seems to me like- and I don't know if this is true or not because it's it, who knows what to believe on social media. Right. But, you know, it, it's becoming a lot more like, at least on my feed, of like, oh, well, now they're doing this transgender stuff at school. Now, like, you won't believe what they showed them this time. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, like, for sure. All that's happening. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I just don't know if it's like always been happening or now it's just more publicized. It's or, more publicized. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I don't think it's always been happening. I just think, um, uh, those those communities have gotten louder and yeah. they've made more inroads in uh, the public education system. And again, uh, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And while I'll ne- I'm never going to pick it, um, somebody that was born in sin and shaping iniquity, because before I gave my life to Jesus, I was doing exactly what they were doing. Right. Not the same way. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I was I was I'm, I'm born in sin. Right. I'm born again into into this beautiful relationship that I have with the creator of the universe who happens to be my dad, right? It happens to be all of our dad, which is beautiful. Um, I don't want anyone, whether I was a believer or not, giving my kid context to something that I don't get to speak into. Right. To the point where they can have a conversation with my kid that legally they don't even have to tell me they had. Right. That my kid could share something with them that now the law says I don't have to share it with the parent. Mm. Nah, fam. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it, right? And so um, I don't get into a lot of the, I don't get in, I don't like debating. Yeah. I I just, you know, um, when it comes to the, uh, transgender stuff specifically, wh- what I've said is if you trust your child to choose his or her gender, don't lock your guns up mm. and don't lock the bleach up. Put it right next to the water bottle. Let mm. them choose. Uh, put the Nerf next to a real gun. Let them choose. Put the 
little scooter next to the car keys and let them choose. Like, if, if we're going to let them choose, let them choose everything right now. Right. Right. I know adults that can't even get a firm <laughs> grasp on their own sexuality. And we're, right. and we think a seven year old is ready. Right. It's crazy. Right? crazy. That's just nuts to me. You know what I mean? So I, I'm just like, okay, if this is going to be how we parent children, um, then this is a broader conversation. It's not just yeah. relegated to that. Yeah. I think it's crazy. But the thing I struggle with is like, knowing how much of it is like this to what seems to be this like massive new movement and like it's becoming more publicized and it's gaining more and more traction or if it's just like social media like uh sensationalizing it's amplified you know what's always been happening and yeah it's still a very minute percentage of people that's absolutely correct it is not growing yeah because it's not sustainable yeah. <laughs> well, there'd be no humanity. So that's not even that. And, and that's not hate. That's fact. Yeah. That's just fact. Right. Yeah. So, again, it's not coming against anybody. It's just like there's some common sense elements to this as well. Yeah. And you get to say what you want to say. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And yeah. then we can still love each other. Well, And yeah. And I think to your point, too, it's like, um. I think people get bent out of shape on, you know, one particular sin versus the other. They do. You know, and it's like, it's crazy. you know, it, sure, I believe that's a sin. Yeah. But I also believe when I was watching porn. Yeah, absolutely sin. correct. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there are people who don't believe either is a sin. Absolutely they, correct. They don't even believe in the concept of sin. Absolutely correct. And then there's people who are mad that you think it's a sin, even though they don't believe in sin. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? Well, I, I did I did a um I did a nine week series on marriage. Yeah. Um the eighth week was on sexuality, the ninth week was on sex. I ended with a message called Glorious Sex, right? It was a crescendo okay. of the marriage series. But, Song of Solomon or what? Yes. Yes. Okay. So week eight was on sexuality. And I actually read um what is like almost like banned from uh, churches now to even read, and that's Leviticus 18. Okay. So I read Leviticus 18, and I go down uh, the list. There's 19 sexual sins that are prohibited. One is homosexual. Yep. One is uh, bestiality. Yep. The other 17 are heterosexual. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. And all the different ways that you're not supposed to have sex. Right. Heterosexually. Right. Right. So so I don't like that so many churches have put such an emphasis on homosexuality. Right, right. But let so much heterosexual sin. Yeah. Dude sleeping with his girlfriend. You know what I mean? Right. And he's your worship leader? <laughs> yeah. Which is, that's a common thing. So common that I'm glad you said it. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so, so I'm... I, you know, for me, I'm just like, oh, let's just keep it a buck when it comes to all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> you know, like, it, and Paul yeah. Paul tells us in First Corinthians chapter number five, he's like, bro, there's somebody that I heard is sleeping with their stepmom. Yep. yep. Corinthians don't even do that, and they do a <laughs> lot. The worst. Yeah, yeah, they do a lot. That's right. The Vegas people. Yeah, exactly. Right. The <laughs> yeah. Vegas people aren't even doing that. Yeah. Boot this dude now. Right. Yep. And then nine through thirteen. Is such a, I don't understand how so many people have not read this, but nine through 13 is so beautiful because he says, um, when I told you to stay away from people that were involved in sexual immorality, I wasn't talking about unbelievers. 
Yeah. He said, you have to leave the whole world to get away from those. Yeah. I said, whoever calls himself a believer. Right. And is sexually immoral, lies, is drunk and does all that kind of stuff. He said, don't even eat with such a person. Right. He said, it isn't my job to judge outsiders. Yeah. It is my job to judge the household of faith. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, for all these churches that like want to rail against the homosexual community, I'm like, do you even know what's going on in your own church? Like before right. you go pack up the, the caravan and go pick it. The, the amount mo- of homosexuality is so much smaller than the amount of just normal heterosexual sin. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Which is why there's 17 prohibitions <laughs> yeah. and only one. <laughs> yeah. Because it ain't happening right. as much as this is. And we we can see all of this play out in churches. Uh, Southern Baptists went through a huge scandal. Over yeah. a thousand reported, you know, improprieties of sexual allegations against yeah. pastors and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. Speaking of that, what do you think about just like, all of the, I mean, it's been happening forever. Pastors yeah. having double lives and, yeah, and things, for sure. whatever, right? Yeah. You know, I think, I haven't seen it yet, but like, the, what is it, the Hillsong documentary now on yep. Netflix or something? Yep. So, I mean, I, I, I know that the pastor, I don't know the whole saga. Yeah. I know he was having an affair and now he's out. Yep. Like, how does that happen? How, like, a guy of that stat. Well, I know how it happens yeah. because once you have status, yeah, 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 yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, the um, I'm glad you brought this up. So I have empirical data after 48 years of living and 27 years of ministry. I have empirical data uh, that I, I have found the common denominator of all moral failure. Sin. <laughs> <laughs> Not just sin. Okay. Unconfessed sin. Ah. It's really silence. Right. When you don't have nobody to talk to, again, whatever doesn't come up and out of your mouth through words will come up and out of your body through actions. Mm. So here's the way I break this down, Ryan. Nobody has ever lost their church for wanting to sleep with their admin. Yeah. Not in the history of churches. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. But what happens when you're not in a safe enough community to even admit attraction? Right. Like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Then it just keeps eating you up. It keeps eating you up until you act out. Right. What happened with the Catholic Church? You forbade them to get married. Yeah. (laughs) That didn't work out well. Yeah. The amount of abuse that's happened with priests and young boys, the amount of abortions that nuns have had. Mm, To just maintain their status. It's it's crazy. Well, you impose something. That you shouldn't shouldn't have imposed. What have we imposed upon pastors? Pastors and politicians are the only two careers, professions, callings that symbolize morality. Okay. We don't do this with doctors. We don't do this with lawyers. We don't do this with athletes. Definitely not lawyers or athletes. Right? Yeah. We don't do it with athletes. We don't do it with Hollywood. We don't do it with Hollywood. We don't do but but politicians and pastor and 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 the pulpit are the only two professions that symbolize morality. So you cannot have imperfections. You cannot have a struggle. You cannot have sexual desires that are deviant. You can't. And if you do, you can't say it. Right. So just hold on to the Ferris wheel (laughs) as hard as you can. And as it speeds up, don't fall off. Yeah. And and smile. And smile. Right. And so that leads to disintegration. Mm. I'm going to be a pastor here. And I'm going to be Ted here. Right. And you just disintegrate. Yeah. 
But an integrated person is the same here, there, and everywhere, which is why side-by-side preaching is, hey, peeps, this sermon is going to kill us all today. Right. We're going to all die a little bit. You are going to feel so uncomfortable. And let me tell you why. I know. It made me feel uncomfortable. Right. This sermon I'm about to preach found sin in me. I know it's going to find something in you as well. Right. I've already confessed it to the elders. I've already shared it with my family. This is about to help all of us today. Yeah. Turn to the book of Galatians right? or, or whatever. Right? right. Like, but we don't get to, pastors don't get to do that. Mm. So they wind up these disintegrated beings and they look for places in the same way Samson did to rest their head. Mm. I got this vow that I've taken and Oh, but I still have these desires. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to marry who David my David did the same thing. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so when when it's when we don't allow people uh to embrace their humanity and we create these environments and church can be a setup for false humility, perfectionism, um, and downright hypocrisy. Right, and we we don't give people the 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 safety to say all of you is welcome here. Right, good, bad, and ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, that can't be for everyone except the pastor. Right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a disaster. Yeah, right? like because now we're you got pre- the most stress. You, you have the most, the most stress, fam. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have the most time off. Yep, and we the need most to have accountability, the, the most, most account- vulnerability. You need to have. We need to give you everything times 10. Yeah. Right. Um, that's the common denominator. And when we don't, when we've, because so many churches have failed to allow that to be normal, the confession of like, when I was a young adult pastor, um, I was attracted to three girls over four years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, attraction is not planned. Right. Right. It's not, it's not even a sin. No attraction is a sin. There's nowhere in from Genesis to Revelation that you can find attraction being a sin. Mm-hmm. Lust is a sin, right? <laughs> our reactions to our attractions, right, can become sin. Yep. But what is attraction? Attraction is information. I don't get up in the morning like, oh, I can't wait to see an attractive woman <laughs> that rivals Juliet's beauty. That's never <laughs> happened in my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if I'm out and about and I see a beautiful woman and I'm like, wow, and my body kind of goes, whoa, that's information. Yeah. The first look won't kill me. The second one could. Right. So I need to be honest about that. So in the four years I was a young adult pastor, um, you know, I counsel so many men and women, young men and women. I was 30. Most of these people were mid-20s. Um, and each time it happened, only happened three times, but each time it happened, uh, obviously I was composed. I did the counseling session. They left. And then I called my admin in and I said, I can't meet with her anymore. And they're so protective. What do they do? Yeah. You know, they did nothing. <laughs> Their parents did something. <laughs> <laughs> they exist. Their parents made a beautiful human being. <laughs> and uh, I, this was attraction. This wasn't just, yeah, it's oh, a beautiful woman. This was attraction. Yeah. You're like, this is going to get worse. Professionally, I can't be looking forward to a counseling session. Right. That's kind of cringy. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. two o'clock, my two o'clock appointment's coming. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I can't be getting excited about that. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. So I said, uh, please pass this person off to 
whoever. Another pastor. Yeah. My respect level in their eyes went through the roof. They're right. like, I, I've never had a pastor be this honest. Well, I'm like, I'm not about to play myself. <laughs> if I keep this to myself, the only person I heard is me. Right. And potentially her. Right. So if, but, but again, we don't even get to talk like this. Right. Most times in church or in small groups, because then it's like, is this the way you think about me? No. <laughs> she was cute, not you. I never said you. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and my attraction is not at this animalistic level where I can't be trusted around any woman. Right. But when I notice it, I have to be honest about that. And that's where that healing takes place. And that's where that yeah. safety comes in. So No, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's to to your point and to the story I shared earlier about porn of like, you know, it only comes once you confess. That's right. You know, like yeah. you keep these things hidden. You try to be stronger than you think you are. And, you know, you try to think like there's shame in a normal thing that yeah. everyone struggles with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, it's like, that's what, that's what Satan wants. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now I'll tell you what is a pet peeve of mine. Okay. I have a pet peeve of um, erasing the library of the fallen pastor. Hmm. This pisses me off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because the gospel they preached, we said amen to. Yeah. The life they lived. Okay. No, duly noted. We're not saying amen to that. Yeah. But you didn't get up and preach about how to cheat on your wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You actually preach messages that people got saved by, that people right. got transformed by, that that grew people in their relationship with God. Right. And um, this the way we wipe out the good because of the bad, do you know how thin our Bible would be? Oh, dude. It'd be bad. <laughs> There'd be no Bible. It'd be a pamphlet. Yeah. yeah. It'd be, <laughs> It'd be just big enough for Jesus' narrative and that's it. Yeah. The creation of the world before Adam <laughs> and Jesus. And that's it. You have it. His birth and you're in. Genesis 1, 2. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The end. That's it. <laughs> we can't even do acts. Right? Yeah. yeah. There's too many Because things. Priscilla, uh, uh, not Priscilla and Aquila, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, right? Yeah. They don't make it, right? Yeah. Yep. And that's the fifth chapter, right? And that's after they gave. That's that's after they gave, bro. Yeah. So, so, uh. So I don't like that we, and I'll tell you this, like I, I, I can speak from experience. I've had a lot of businesses, a lot of investments, majority go good. It's yep. why we're successful, but yeah. dude, I don't bet a thousand. Right. You know, like yeah. I've had ones that weren't good. That's right. That's right. right. And so people, you know, I've told people this too, cause like oh, people are so scared of failure. I'm like, look, all of the. You know, you stack up all these wins yeah. and then you get a couple of L's. Right. The L's don't negate the wins. No, they don't. You know? No, they don't. Yeah, you got to deal with the L's. That's right. When There's happen. consequences to them. There's consequences yeah, to absolutely. the L's and you got to deal with it. That's absolutely correct. But to negate and, and think that everything up to that point was a failure. Yep. And, you know, it sucks that that's the way the world is though. Right. Because you could be good forever. Yeah. You know, and like doing the right things. Yeah. Being obedient. Yep. And then- to back to the Moses thing, you have one act of disobedience and it's like, that's it. Absolutely correct. But bro, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because this 
I've never even tied this to this, dude. You're helping me out. Like you're you're <laughs> you're actually building my case. So, um, uh, so Moses takes this L. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Goes up to a mountain. God buries him himself. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, like, nobody can. He's come healthy. Up He's like, you're dead now. You saw it. Nobody can find you. You don't exist. <laughs> so Joshua has to take up this thing, right? But here's what it says in um, uh, uh, Joshua chapter number one. After he says, you know, Moses, my servant is dead. Get up. There's a promise. Wherever your feet go, no one's going to be able to stand up against you. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Verse six, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them uh, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Mm. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Mm. study this book of instruction continually meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do so there was a two-step thing for joshua's uh, uh success obey your mentor yep the mentor that disobeyed god mm-hmm. the mentor that ended on an l yeah <laughs> and got buried by god on a mountain <laughs> right <laughs> right right and don't come out of the book of deuteronomy and you're going to have incredible success. Right. They didn't wipe out what Moses wrote. Right. Imagine the Torah yeah. being rolled up and burned yeah. because of the way Moses's he went out. ministry ended. So I just don't like the cancellation yeah. of the truth yeah. because of someone's lie. Right, right. Right? Like, I, I, I mean. Also, too, it doesn't even have to be like a blatant, um, you know, just act of disobedience or sin. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be something you said or something, you know, that someone part. interpreted, right? Yeah. Like, even to bring this back to you, you said something about Jesus and strippers. Yes. And I I didn't even see the full context yeah. of it. But yeah. somebody's like, hey, you know, he said something about this. And I'm like, I'll ask him about it. I don't even know, <laughs> you know, I don't know the context yeah. of what it was. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you the context. Yeah. Thank you for asking for the actual context. Yeah. So I've learned my lesson of, of <laughs> casting judgment first before talking to the guy. Bravo. <laughs> bravo. So here's what happened. I'm preaching at uh, um, uh, Transformation Church. I'm doing a message on giving. At the end of the message, uh, we start this chant because I'm talking about the disciples uh, Jesus blessing the bread, breaking it and passing it out to disciples to feed the multitude. And at the end, there's enough for all of them to eat. This is clearly between somewhere between 15 and 18,000 people, yep. right? 5,000 men, not including women and children. Yep. Easily between 15 and 18,000, yep. right? They feed all of these people and they have 12 baskets of bread left over. That's a basket for each disciple. Yeah. So I start, Basically declaring that there's going to always be bread in your pocket. If you're a giver, there will always be bread in your pocket. Mm -hmm. So it turns into a chant at the end. We start saying, I got bread in my pocket. I got <laughs> I'm a rapper, bro. You started I started rapping. Yeah, I can turn anything into a song, right? So I'm walking off the platform. And as I'm walking off the platform, uh, Mike Todd's mom, Brenda Todd, 
walks up to me and goes, you're not done with this message. Mm. There's something else God wants to say. You are not done with this message. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I expect, I respect my elders. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I start walking back up to the platform, Ryan, and there's about 250 people doing the make it rain gesture. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It was so, it was, it was just really, I, I couldn't see anything else but this, right? Right. And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, you need to redeem this now. Yeah. So I said, okay. So I walked out and I said, the very first words out of my mouth was, hey, I just want to let you know um, that the first person to make it rain quite literally was God. Mm -hmm. right. He's the one. Rain had never fell on the earth. <laughs> and he said to Noah, I'm going to make it rain. <laughs> right? right? Right. So before this was a colloquialism that was used in stripper culture. Right. God is the first person to literally make it rain. And I said, uh, conversely, we don't make it rain on booty cheeks. We don't make it rain on strippers. The only stripper that I acknowledge is the one that took off glory to put on humanity and to die butt naked on a tree. Mm. The only stripper I'm in love with is Jesus. That's the context by which I said it in. Mm -hmm. I got scripture for it, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That he stripped himself. Right. Now, The audience you're communicating to is important. The target audience of Transformation Church is a 24-year-old black girl from the hood. Mm. That's who we're speaking to every weekend. Right. Splat rate, you're talking to way more than that. Right. But that room had context to what I was saying. Right. I would never say this at Gateway. <laughs> yeah i would never even say this at embassy city which is a church i pastor right but i knew where i was and this is the reference the gesture they're all doing that they're all doing and i'm going to bring a different context for it yeah because it's about to ruin anybody that's going to a strip club again next yeah. time they do this they're gonna be like oh snap <laughs> right yeah so three weeks later i go home the holy spirit never convicts me he never mentions it to me. I go home and tell Juliet about it. She's like, that's a brilliant analogy, babe. Like, <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Three weeks later, it's viral and I'm a false teacher and I've 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 called Jesus a stripper like he's twerking on a pole. Yeah. And I'm like, is this what y'all got out of that? Mm. Th that's fascinating. I can't apologize for it because I meant every word. I've never been convicted by the Holy Spirit on it. I ran it past all the people that get to speak into my life and they were like, let it go. Mm. So some people found it distasteful. I can understand that. Right. I've heard some people use analogies that I'm like, I don't think you, <laughs> I don't like that. I don't particularly like that. But on that day in that room to the context and the congregation I was speaking to, it was appropriate for that audience. Mm. Yeah, I've I like I said, I've never heard the context of the story, but yeah. I can tell you, you know, when speaking about context and um I I don't know how to say this, I guess worldly people. Yeah. Right. You know, when I'm talking to a baseball player, yeah, or business guys who are you know, got all the vices in the world, you know, when you're talking to strippers, that's when right. You're talking to you know, whatever. Yeah. Alcoholics. Yeah. Guys at the bars. Yes. You know, 
there's different, you know, I guess the, the, the normal way of just preaching isn't going to resonate with Absolutely them, correct. Right? You have to like go meet them on their level. Absolutely correct. And people have a, um, th- there's a lot of people that have a problem with who I'm after. Mm. Because who, who I'm after standing up preaching is different from who I'm ap- after sitting down talking to. Yeah. And like we talked about um, before we came down to, to do this, highways, byways, bushes, and shrubs. Right. I'm after people behind the, the hedges. Yeah. I'm after people in the alleys, yeah. right? I'm I'm from LA, bro. Like I'm hood. Mm-hmm. Like I'm polished. <laughs> yeah. I, I I live in a very nice neighborhood. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> I drive a Tesla. It's a Model S. I'm out of there. I'm out of there. Yeah. But I can reach hood. Yeah, you can relate. I can relate. Yeah. And they don't talk like the way people talk in the suburbs (laughs) where you're at today on Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah. But let's not act like these people haven't had these conversations or they don't watch these kind of movies or they didn't watch all of game of Thrones and they didn't didn't watch all of Bridgerton. Like, you know what I'm saying? They don't watch Chris Pratt movies where he's dropping F bombs, but then saying Jesus is Lord when he gets an award. Yeah. So I don't like the, I saw um, that too. Right. Yeah. I don't like the incongruency that a lot of believers have. Now, if you are like on that Puritan level of like, I don't drink, smoke, or chew with those that do, right? My eyes never look at anything tainted. Uh, my hands are always found being diligent for Jesus. Yay, you. That's awesome. I'm after people in the gutter, fam. Yeah. And I I can talk, I can talk with theologians and I can talk with some hood niggas. Yeah. I can handle both. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm like, um, uh and and I would like anybody that has been ruffled by that or feels like, man, that's, uh, I don't like that. Tim, uh, uh, talks like this or says these words this way. I'm like, you know, wisdom is proven to be right by its results. Yeah. Jesus told, um, uh, like we were talking about earlier, like if it's meant to fail, if it's going to, if I'm wrong, it'll come to nothing. Yeah. If a bunch of people come to Jesus as a result and I said, damn in hell, let it go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think God's bigger than any word that can come out your mouth. I, yeah. I think he can handle it. Right. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm banking on that. You know what I mean? And when, again, when you do deep sea fishing, you need different type of bait. Mm. You are not going to catch a marlin with a worm. Mm. Trust Everyone's me. Tr- busy trying to get the guppies in. Right. Yeah. Yay. Guppies. Yeah. I love, get them all in. But when you, when you're they're going already to, in, they're already in bro. Yeah. There's a reason why the master sent them back the out. One. He was like, I still got, Room at the table. Yeah. So go get this person. Yeah. And so to your point, there's a way to come after an entrepreneur. You yep. better look a certain way. Yeah. You. I'm so sorry. You can't roll up in a Honda Accord. Yeah. And convince an entrepreneur. Yeah. That you're making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Let's slow it down. Because the scripture is not saying one at the expense of the other. Mm-hmm. It's actually telling the truth about both. Right. Man looks at the outward appearance. Right. So please don't disregard the fact that man wants to look at you. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. And God looks at the heart. Mm. It's, so it's, d- it's, it's like you talked about with the women. It's like 
you can't control it. You're no. gonna you're gonna size someone up. Yeah, regardless. Absolutely correct. <laughs> like, Absolutely correct. The moment they walk in the door. That's right. You have prejudged them. Yeah. We all have prejudices. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hundred percent. We, Hollywood and America has America's the most sophisticated country. Yeah. At simultaneously telling you who you are and who you are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a master at it, right? Yeah. From where you live to the car you drive to, you know what yeah, I mean? The yeah. school you go to, it's simultaneously telling you what you can and cannot do, who you are and who you are not. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. But when it comes to the church, I'm like, listen, let's, let's, let's let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. God has a lot of different ways to get a lot of different people into the kingdom. Yeah. And it may not be your way, but let's not it act for like you. it ain't for you. But yeah. let's not act like it's not for, for everybody. Someone. It's for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree, man. I think obviously we're all part of the body. Yeah. We're, we're all serving a different purpose. That's and right. Reaching a different set of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go back to my point earlier, it's like, yo, whoever Osteen's getting, whoever you're getting, yeah. whoever MacArthur's getting, whoever I'm getting. Yeah. As long as we're getting. That's right. That's right. We need to get it. Yeah. And, and um, you know, Paul's ministry was not the same. As Peter's. Yep. Peter's was not the same as Apollo's. Apollo's was not the same as Cephas. I mean, look at Paul and, uh, was it Paul and Barnab- Barnabas? Barnabas, that's right. Yeah, they split. <laughs> They're like. Over John Mark. Yeah. And 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 Barnabas was right. Barnabas took John Mark. <laughs> yeah. And Paul went with Silas and they kept it moving. Yep. Right? It wasn't. There's, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be disagreements and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay, but the unity was we're going to continue to spread the gospel. Yeah. So one of the most mature things that Paul writes to the Corinthians is, hey, I know there's some people that's out here doing this and they don't even have good intentions, yeah. but at least the gospel's being preached. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can live with that. He's like, eh, I don't even, they don't, their motives aren't pure, but at least the message is going out. Yeah. Right? And it's like, okay. And that. That's the way I see it these days. Yeah. You know, and that's what yeah. I've come to be matured. To. Yeah. I, I, I want to, I want to, the, the people that I do life with, I, I want us to do it well. Yeah. And when we fall off, I, I want to, I want somebody to be like, hey, bro. Yeah. You're leaning a little bit. Yeah. Um, I remember when the whole stripper thing popped off, um, I called my mentors. Yeah. Preemptively. Right. I wasn't trying to get ahead of anything. <laughs> I just wanted to be like, hey. If this comes to your door, I want you to have context to what to I said and, and why I said it right. and who I said it to. Right. And both of them um, encouraged me, but they also warned me. They're like, hey, just know anytime you speak, especially on a platform like Transformations, there's more than one type of person listening to you. Right. I know who your target audience is, but please be aware. Yeah. Other people are listening. Yeah. I'm not, that's not to discourage you from speaking how you need to speak to your audience, but just know somebody's going to take it the wrong way. Yeah. More and, awareness. And just so, oh, right. That's more awareness. Now, if I'd have said that and I'm not the basement guy. Yeah. It don't even have legs. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like some random dude says something stupid and it would have, it's done. It would have went around the corner four days. Yep. But it's only because this basement guy yeah. who's had people on his show and they cussed and he cussed with them, stone him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting up like, yeah, no, fam. That person actually gave their life to Jesus. Yeah. So we're going to keep it moving. No, I love it, bro. Yeah. Well, dude. 
I appreciate everything you're doing, man, especially with the podcast. Thank with, you, man. With all the people you're impacting. Guys, if you haven't listened to this podcast, we'll link to it down below. Definitely go check it out. And it's going to get raw. And, it is. And and you're going to hear some things. you They're going to make you uncomfortable. That's right. But that's what it's all about, bro. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Love guys, you, bro. Love you too, dude. So guys, make sure you subscribe and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. A lot of people, they see Graham and they're like, oh my gosh, this is my idol. This is the man, you know, so they don't want to check him. Yeah. They don't want to say, Graham, I think that your opinion here is wrong. And we totally have different perspectives on mine. Some things like you're like, dude, he's so smart. Then other times you're like, this makes no rational sense. Entrepreneurs are so caught up in money. Like that's it. Wealth is not just money. It's your health. It's your relationships. It's your faith. 